Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESOAmazon. Or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing the show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out tangiboundnetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains, you can do it. You can do it. Check it out, tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On today's show, Josh Peterson and I are wrapping up the big weekend for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with our thoughts on the movie itself. We also talked the effectiveness of the many proposed spinoffs for the Game of Thrones. And can the Inhumans be viable on ABC? All this plus another great song from Hyperschmidt, a clip from the guys at the Super BS Gamescast, and the TV Ratings Guide returns with Jessica Boggs and Jonathan Ducote updating us on some of the latest TV ratings news. It's a shopping spree of great podcasting values as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend from Humanican Media. It's Josh Peterson. Josh, before we get into everything, what's going on with Humanican Media? What up, what up? Um, yeah, I have a super, new Super BS uh, Gamescast <clears throat> coming at you on Monday, and I know we've played parts of it on here or are going to. Um, what else? Uh, a new episode of What About This next week, and that's that's all that's on the plate right now. Wow, that's a light week for you. I tell you, that's uh, usually you're like stressed out and already getting gray hairs at your young age because of all the stuff that you got planned out going for the entire I mean, week. Yeah, th- there are things in the pipeline, but I-, I don't have any solid dates on anything yet, so I'll just you know, leave it at that. All right, but hopefully that will mean that you can provide us more written content on our great site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. I know I'm going to make an extra effort to put some written stuff there this week, including a review for the latest Guardians of the Galaxy. Great numbers over the weekend. Josh, did you get a chance to see the movie this weekend? I sure did. I saw it last night. 
What were your initial thoughts as far as coming out of the theater and, and what first hit you as far as seeing the movie overall? The big numbers came in, almost $150 million coming in as far as through the entire weekend domestically, and it's now at well over $400 million worldwide. Looks like another big hit for Marvel. But when you were walking out of there, what were your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts were I the character I noticed that stood out the most was Drax. He had his time in the light for sure. Uh, again, that seems like two in a row for him because he was the one that really uh, stood out in the first one as well. Correct. And he it, it was Drax and uh, his his uh relationship with what mantis that's, that's yeah correct. that that was a good that was a good thing i wasn't too into um gamora and uh her sister's story arc nebula nebula and baby groot was was funny he was kind of a show stealer for me like that was i and i can see like why they went that route because obviously you know in the end of the last one that scene alone like prompted many pop funko figures and dancing plant groots and pe- people ate it up but which I saw uh, uh, quite a bit out in free comic book day. And I'm sure everybody else did as well when they were out and about. And there's going to be some spoilers that we're probably going to be able to mix in here. So just warning everybody now, as far as guardians of the galaxy volume two, but overall, did you think like I did that there was maybe some things that maybe held it back to being just as good as the first one? Yeah. Okay. So here are my initial thoughts on the movie as a whole, I, I didn't, um, I wasn't as invested in it as I was the first one. Uh, just the, the, the first one happened on such a massive scale and we had that whole dynamic with them coming together and the relationships forming and the, uh, the tensions there. And in this one, the tension, the, you know, they were, we didn't have to go through any of that. So it just kind of like dove right into the story and ego as a, as a bad guy, I had a hard time with it because in the comic books, his story arc goes on for several issues, but you know, they're trying to take all that and shove it into a two hour film. But I, the, the change that, you know, they make you like him and then they just, just like that, they expect you to dislike him. And I wasn't too into him as a character. Like I, I, you know, he's crazy and whatnot. He, he's massive. It's just, there wasn't a lot of like, cause in, Guardians 1, you had uh, Thanos, and you had Ronan the Accuser, and you had Nebula, and all these people were trying to to take out uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. But in this one, you just had you had Ego, the Living Planet, and then they threw the Kree in there just for a good measure to keep make sure you're you know you're entertained by it still. And it was just uh, it just wasn't as epic a movie on a grand scale as the first one was, but it was still enjoyable. It was still had its great uh, moments, especially at the end, the third act, I think saved the film entirely. Uh, I I, I had some issues with the pacing early on. I think it really got a little bit tedious and slow during the first and second parts. Um, And also I had issues with, uh, I guess, the the planet uh, that was saved initially as far as the initial threat that was uh, saved upon – um, I, I guess the the planet that was uh, governed over by Aisha, the Guardians of the Galaxy, which you know I won't go too in depth as far as why, but they they did the the planet wrong in in the process of saving the planet in the first place. So they they went out and and I guess uh, went after the Guardians of the Galaxy, but it really didn't turn out to be much as far as a, a threat or just really just much of an interest as far as there was kind of like just stop gaps along the way, as far as 
uh, both in the early part and in the latter part of the film. What were your thoughts on on the the actual uh, forces led by Aisha in the film? I I just almost thought they didn't really care much about her character and the forces that she was leading. It was weird because you know did you you stay for the post credit scenes and they showed the uh, like she had a, the, the the assumption is that it's Adam Warlock that she has tied into yeah. that thing, but. Um, you know, they introduce like, because in the Marvel Universe, there are two cosmic race, not cosmic, but alien races that really like strike fear into the hearts of, you know, these heroes that we all read about. They have the, the scroll and the Kree. And this, the the Kree were in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's who Aisha and her people were. But they, they kind of made a joke out of them. And that was not like, you know, if they're going to be big baddies later on, they didn't do a very good job of sending it up. I'm sure James Gunn had a reason for doing what he did, but. And and making them almost, uh, they they were pretty much comedy fodder, you know, especially with '80s arcade music attached to their entire fleet. And if you don't know what I'm talking, about, you got to check out the film just to see, you know, that alone. If you you remember those good old days at the arcade back in the '80s or whatnot, but it's just I don't know, just they were kind of just like thrown in there and just really didn't provide much of of a threat to the guardians of the galaxy or much interest as far as to the audience at large they're, they're largely forgettable don't you think yeah and they even came off at times as being annoying like i was completely uninterested in them and they're you know just they, they're just they're just there they, they didn't have any other purpose except for being a distraction to them it felt it felt kind of busy to me their their only purpose seemingly came up after the credits, like you said, in the creation of of what we assume is Adam Warlock for the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, which is already slated to return at some point in time down the road. But uh, another thing, as far as like I said, I had pacing issues with uh, in the first and second act. I just thought the movie got too slow once it arrived at Ego's planet. I just thought, yes, there was a lot of relationship building. And I know you didn't particularly care for the sisterly relationship between Gamora and Nebula. I cared for it a little bit more than you did, but I understand your faults with that. I think you liked the Mantis-Drax relationship a little bit more than I do. So it's an off-balance thing. I think Drax, again, played by Dave Bautista, was just outstanding with his with his timing and his comedic efforts. And I think that's one thing they did was they, they used, as, as I say in my article at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, that if you can check out it in my full reviews there, I think they used comedy as sort of a, almost like a camouflage to, to get you across from point A to point Z and to try and keep you interested in the film as a whole. So they used it almost as a crush to try and make you continuously provide one-liners or little in-jokes or little visual jokes to keep you like breadcrumbs along the way to the to the ending scene. What were your thoughts as far as the use of comedy within Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? They can't exist without comedy just because they're they're all so different. That's the whole like appeal to them. That's why people they, like that. But they took the, the jokes and the one-liners and things that they did in the, in the first one and they ratcheted it up by 10, which you know obviously was great because people were laughing in and out around the theater, but it almost seemed like they were using it as a crutch to get you from point A to point Z, in my opinion. Oh yeah. There's definitely a lot of that going on, but it's like I mentioned earlier, like this on a grand scale, this movie was not as epic compared to the first one. So you didn't really, you had ego, the living planet, you had the Kree, you had the, um, the ravagers and 
it just it wasn't there wasn't like anything huge on the line. Like if you if you blinked, like you would have missed the fact that ego is about to consume the entire universe. Whereas, or, or it, you if you blinked, you would have realized that the Ravagers were had exiled Yondu and and really because they were barely in the film as well. Yeah, they, all this stuff is quick, 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 quick. But they had in the first one, you had like there's actual. Uh, you know, they had epic space battles. There's a big thing with Thanos, Ronan the Accuser, this, these these huge fight scenes, and there were consequences for it. Like, there was, you know, the galaxy was, the galaxy was literally in danger, but, like, this, you you really wouldn't have caught it. So I feel like because of the pace, they needed that comedy to keep, if it didn't have the comedy, you know, it wouldn't have been a good movie. Uh, like you said, it was needed uh, to, to keep the film in place, but I, I could feel that, Every time you stop laughing and you tried to take a look at the film as a whole, it was so intent on building those relationships uh, for so long and so focused on doing it, it got in the way of the actual storytelling and also as well, you know, excitement and interest as a whole because it just kind of waned in those those first two thirds of the film. And obviously, it came to a climactic a conclusion that actually was was pretty good for for you know even any of the marvel films but did you think overall were you were you really at any point in time thinking that the guardians of the galaxy were actually done for at any point in time absolutely not it's it's just one of plus you know they're going to be in avengers of infinity war they've already talked about that so i you know there wasn't really any care whether where whether they're going to live or die whereas like in your standard the standard marvel universe you we don't know like we don't know what's going to happen to iron man or captain america so like we are legitimately concerned about this but like you know that's the problem with announcing all these movies like so many years ahead of their release date you just you stop caring because you know it's going to lead to something bigger you'll still watch it to fill in the gaps but uh you know you're not, you're not as emotionally invested in the characters now, were you surprised that they actually killed off someone that's very familiar to fans of Guardians of the Galaxy at, at near the end of the actual film? That 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 was the only real thing that stood out. I was, I was kind of surprised once the ego thing didn't really work out for for Peter Quills. He he became knowledgeable about something else as far as from a different type of relationship, but it ended up costing a life. And did that? kind of surprise you as far as how that came about? I mean, when I saw Zon- Yondu sorry, in the trailers, uh, I, I kind of knew that that was going to happen because they, they ended on a like on a good note in the last movie. There wasn't like a lot of, you know, uh, he ripped them off and took the Infinity Stone, but there wasn't, you, you know, you, you weren't expecting them because he, he laughed, so you weren't expecting there to be like a big uh, battle between the two of them, but you know, as soon as they show that opening scene with him all depressed and he's pulling his pants up and he's, you know, in the, that brothel, you kind of knew that it was going towards that inevitable conclusion with them. I, I like the fact that they did give him some time in the sun as far as developing his character and within the course of the Ravagers. But the Ravagers part of it was just so barely touched upon, including the reasons why he was uh, at one time exiled that just it kind of left me with maybe I wanted to find out more in that context with that film, exactly what was going on with their part of the story. But again, the movie was centered on trying to break up, reunite, and also focus more on the relationships between the main guardians of the galaxy characters that I understand some things had to take a back seat. So all in all, 
if you were to go ahead and, and say, give a final, I should say outcome or, or review or thoughts on the movie itself and recommendation or not rec- recommended to someone, what are your final words on guardians of the galaxy volume two? I would say it's a fun movie. It's definitely a fun movie. I don't regret watching it. And I, I had a great time watching it. It was entertaining, made me laugh. Uh, don't go into it expecting the type of movie you saw in the first one. Uh, just go into it ex- expecting to be entertained. Like don't, you know, don't, uh, don't create expectations. I'll be like those people who are actually like upset that it's not as good as the first one because it's still, it stand on, it stands on its own, but it's just not as massive a movie as the first one was. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It, if, if you are going in there expecting Guardians of the Galaxy, which I was, I was expecting something really complete. I didn't quite get it. It seemed to me like three quarters of the way there. There's certainly plenty of humor. That's very good. That hits very well with audiences that, uh, I particularly enjoy, but it again, there were some lapses in those first and second parts, which didn't bring me all the way back, even with it, with a very good third act to close out the film. So it, it does get a passing grade for me as well. Is it matching Guardians of the Galaxy, the original? No, but it's definitely, like you said, a very watchable film in its own right. I do recommend everybody out there giving it a shot, and especially if they want to see as far as you know, the, the, what's going on within the element of the Guardians of the Galaxy, that, that's a great way to familiarize yourself with their characters. If you're looking forward for more hints as far as for the Infinity War or or for sets up for the future for maybe some of the other Marvel films, doesn't really do that much for it. Maybe outside of Thor Ragnarok, uh, a small amount, but for the Guardians of the Galaxy universe or galaxy, what have you, it definitely sets up for the third film in the series. So what are your thoughts out there on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Let us know at any point in time, if you wish. That's popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, as well, popculturecosmos, Humanican Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we come back, we're going to be talking to the people from the TV Ratings Guide. They're going to be uh, on the show talking about all the the latest goings on in the TV world. They'll also be on our Friday program. That's the PCC Multiverse, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. And you can catch all of our Pop Culture Cosmos shows, the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse on any downloadable outlet that we're on, including Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, and the Gunna Geek Network as well. And I'm just so proud of myself that I actually remembered it all without even having to write it down at this point in time. So like, yeah. But anyways, uh, if you do download our shows, just want to let you know, we try very hard to attach one of uh, the the outstanding podcasts that either Rob McCallum Films, Humanican Media, Game Source, Wine, Women, and Words, but if you do download our shows, uh, you do get a bonus episode podcast from one of those great entities. And we just truly appreciate them. And obviously you for, as well, Josh, from Hyundai Media, allowing us to go ahead and share those as well. But we also have as well a great song from Piper Schmidt. And you're listening to Forsaken right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos.
make me stronger I'm living without a doubt I can wait another minute longer Do you know what you were talking about? Because I think you couldn't get much stronger I'm living without a doubt And while your father was beginning to wonder Get up, we'll fight Oh, they will know That look in your eye Now you know that I found my purpose Now I've got this fire inside my head That's stuck in the clouds of thunder All the traps you find by the light Now while your father was begin to wonder Get up, we'll fight the darkness Right beside you day and day That's Forsaken by Hyperschmidt. Catch all their songs today on their YouTube channel. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey, everyone. If you're in the Southern California area and are looking for the best way to improve your home, look no further than adding some always green synthetic grass today. Whether it's creating that awesome backyard that's kid and pet friendly or that punting green to work on your golf game, Always Green provides installation and landscaping with only American-made products such as their famous synthetic turf with advanced drainage technology and backed by a 15-year warranty that will have your yard looking great for a very long time. Always Green also installs retaining walls, custom lighting and driveways, and the most beautiful stone walkways. So if you live in the Southern California area, what are you waiting for? Financing is also available, so call for a free estimate today. 714-614-7814. That's 714-614-7814. Or stop by their store at 16772 Wanda Circle in Huntington Beach and get your home looking great with Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. A proud sponsor of Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and the PCC Multiverse Channels. And we're back with even more from the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. 
I'm here along with the outstanding individuals that cover the TV ratings guide and all the great happenings in the TV ratings world. I've got, uh, well, Jonathan Ducote and also as well, Jessica Boggs. First thing I want to ask, this is a crucial time for the networks as well as far as their, their TV is concerned. Jonathan, first off, what's going on as far as in this period of time as the May sweeps arrive as far as it's concerned? Because, you know, it is that period of time when, when a lot of shows that are on the fringes and whatnot. But I know you wanted to cover some things first in this area and this topic of our questioning. Um, well, basically, this is the week before Upfront starts. So it's probably, you know, the most busy week in television. Um, it's a week when all the shows uh, get canceled or renewed. Um, pilots are picked up or passed on. So it's just really an important week leading up to Upfront's. What does that do as far as uh, when all the networks with the upfronts? And then you're also talking about a lot of summer programs that are starting as well. Is that correct? Yes. Summer is mostly reality, though, but we have a few scripted. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. So our good friends, the TV ratings guide. And I also wanted to, at this point, say congratulations. I think you recently celebrated over 1 million hits. Is that correct? Oh, uh, Yes. Yes, and that's uh, that's great news indeed. Well, I thought it was pretty cool. That's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, because over one million hits. I mean, obviously, that that's a great, great thing indeed. And if you get a chance, everyone out there, check it out. That is the TVRatingsGuide.com. That is the TVRatingsGuide.com for all your information and need in regards to well, you know covering ABC, CBS, NBC, CW, Fox, the whole nine yards broadcast cable as well. And what things are actually, at this point in time, Jonathan, are sticking out to you in regards to, to what's going on in the world of TV ratings? Um, well, I mean, I've definitely noticed over, like, since spring has started in television, you know, the ratings are really, the live ratings just really aren't that good for broadcast, at least. So, I mean, you know, broadcast is dealing with that, with, you know, not that many shows doing really well in the live ratings. So that's really sticking out for right now. Is, the, is this an effect because a lot of people are, are, you know, like myself, a lot of people are thinking about cutting the cord on traditional cable and broadcasting uh, uh, networks and whatnot? Or do you think that, that people are, are moving away from that? So a lot of people are, are more interested in, in maybe either watching the Netflixes, Hulus out there, or just, you know, going for those smaller packages that, that are offered by uh, things such as PlayStation View, Sling TV, Hulu, and and you know AT and T Direct Now. Um, you know, I think it's actually probably a combination of things. Like, I think it's more you know that people can DVR, um, they can watch on Netflix when it gets put in there, iTunes. There's so many ways they really just don't have to watch live anymore. But also, you know, I think it might be a kind of a quality thing because they do have some shows that do well live, but um, it's not many. So. So what, what do you think networks can do to provide larger audiences at this point to try and gain a foothold at least, you know, the tide is turning and, and I, obviously the, the, the ratings are going down, you know, as far as from across the board. But is there anything that these large uh, networks can do to try and try and retain some of their audiences, if not try and grow them out? Um, well, as, you know, Jessica just wrote, you know, I agree with what she said, you know, they really need to try, I think, to, like, expand what they program and try to do things that aren't already done. Like, NBC just right now, like, all their comedies are basically family comedies. I think that they need to try to expand and do more than just that and offer, like, different 
types of content. Absolutely. I could agree with both of you, Warren. And she does make an excellent point with uh, providing more broadly defined content that, that's really good for the audiences. That's what she was saying. And I definitely can agree with both you and her on that as well. So what shows at this point in time, because it's kind of like, uh, you know, like I said, even though there's May sweeps and whatnot, what are the actual shows that you're looking at right now at making an impact within the world of broadcasting and television? Probably like Empire, you know, that's doing a lot of things right now for Fox and um, ABC, you know, they have TGIT and I think those are like the shows that do well in live ratings are also the ones that make an impact. I so mean, describe the lineup for TGIT. That's the thank goodness it's Thursday uh, lineup, correct? For ABC, it's um, all Shonda shows. Um, it's Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and The Catch, and then How to Go with Murder in the Fall. And it's ABC drama. Like it's their one of their top, it's their top rated programs and everything. It's been a big brand. Well, I'm asking her what shows are of the greatest interest to her right now. Well, I was thinking about watching Mary kills people okay um and what else what shows are actually the the consumer base jonathan that you feel that that you're getting a lot of feedback on is 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 what what shows are actually connecting with audiences at this point in time um i notice it's a lot of shows that really connect with the audience the shows that don't do the best in ratings like um timeless the nbc show that's has a huge following they always you know they like they are posts on nbc new cancel of timeless always have like large audiences like Timeless really garners people and Emerald City did, which was just canceled. Was Timeless on the fence? According to your site, Timeless is on the fence and most likely an invitation be canceled. Is that correct? I uh, enjoyed yes, the show personally. I, I watched every episode. Um, yeah, it is. The ratings just, you know, but it's, it's got like a chance, I would say, but... Yeah, I know it was great coming after The Voice, but I think it's time slot heard it indeed being on that late at night because it's not the show that you need to be on that late at night. So you're talking about the shows that are right now leading into the summer. What shows for the summer are you looking forward to making a a considerable imprint with audiences at this point in time? Well, personally for me, I'm really looking forward to um, Animal Kingdom on TNT. I really like that one. That was a breakout hit last summer. I know they're they're coming out with several shows, I believe, correct? Like Will, based on Will Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. I know Jessica also mentioned Unreal is coming back sometime this summer as well. You know, yeah, TNT has a lot of new shows coming this summer. Claus is one, and uh, as you mentioned, Will. Jess, what are your thoughts as far as going forward? I know fall is is, still not that far away, but what are some of the shows that you're looking forward to right now that have already been announced as far as upcoming Possibly in humans on ABC, or or what else are you looking forward to? The second season of Riverdale, to be for sure. And I'm also looking forward to some new CW shows coming out, but we don't know what shows are going to be picked up the series, whether it's Black Lightning or Dynasty or whatnot. At, at, at this point in time, people seem to take the the summer viewing a little bit for granted because it is traditionally less than in the fall seasons. Uh, you know, people, as it gets colder, people have a tendency to stay inside. And when it's warmer, people have a tendency to go outside. That's obviously, it's human nature or whatnot. But there's still some shows that, that have, in recent years, made a big impact and are now actually have become, like, uh, I should say, cornerstones for the actual, you know, networks involved. Uh, Empire, I believe, is one of them that, that was, you know, came out at a non-traditional point of time for for uh, a big show that is now considered, you know, a show that they'll now 
Fox is now relying heavily on. Mention some of the others in the, in the that have that recent come up in recent years, to your knowledge, that have come up in this time frame. You know, May, June, July. That that real you know have really made an imprint with audiences now that have that are now you know just basically shows that that people can't do without. Well, I would say like most of the shows that would come up in this time frame would be that main imprint would more so be reality versus scripted. Um, like you know, over the summer they have The Bachelorette and Big Brother that really do well live ratings and you don't really hear about many scripted shows that come out in this time frame um making an impression in the ratings okay so well that and that's for the most part that's usually the case and it's usually uh, but there's still every now and then there's 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 a sneak hit like like empire or whatnot that that will uh, actually uh, gain some tread uh with audiences and whatnot but definitely it's an interesting time indeed and and in our uh, you know next show that we're going to deal with in the pcc multiverse here we're going to be talking a little bit more about those shows that are that are renewal, that are on the fence, that are canceled. And we definitely look forward to having you both back on, indeed, for our Friday show, the PCC Multiverse, which will be on at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network and all of our great downloading options, indeed. So we're definitely looking forward to having you both again on our Friday show. That's Jessica Boggs and Jonathan Dakote from the TV Ratings Guide, tvratingsguide.com, TV Ratings Guide on Facebook and Twitter. And right after the break, it's another clip from the Super BS Games cast right here with us at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films in 2017. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Box Art arrives this year, just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. The guys from the Super BS Games cast are back talking about the many remakes and reimaginings for the Final Fantasy series. I just, this stuff, because we're actually not, it sounds like we're not going to talk about E3 and more like about this. I'm just hoping that there's a future where these games that are getting old and harder to find ways to play, that they just start releasing these on more things that have continuous persistent services like Xbox has, Microsoft has said for Xbox that as long as the brand is around, you'll be able to play all previous iterations from this point forward and whatever they add. Or even still, like, let us purchase it on old stuff. Like, if we are, if we still have it, don't, like, you know, uh, make, I, make a way. I just think it should. Download it digitally, like, make a way for us to play it. I guess, yeah. I, I, it's, that's a hard, tricky thing. Like, I would rather them just release it to some service that they make in the future where we can consistently play this. I don't understand why we're still living in in the age of uh, generations. Like why why I on my Switch I now need to rebuy or re-spend money on all the stuff that I bought time and time and time again. And that same thing goes for PS4. Right. And I, I think this would put an end like they're always complaining about people using ROMs and emulators. Yeah. I think that this would Which put is an, stupid. Yeah. If you don't give people options, of course people are gonna use ROMs and emulators. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the dumbest thing ever to be like well, you know, we don't want you to use that. We'd rather sell, we'd rather have you buy it from somebody we don't even know that's selling it for seven hundred dollars on eBay. It's like you get nothing from that, and you want us to spend like 
seven hundred bucks yeah, or whatever yeah, buying this game. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's because it, legally, from what I understand, ROMs are actually legal if you own the game. If you own the game, it actually becomes like this weird point where you have paid the right for the license and you're able to use it on your computer. I, yeah. I don't know if that's true. I'm not. I am a lawyer now. I just got my bar this moment. Um, it's it's literally I got a you know a Snickers bar. Snickers bar. Okay. At, at a oh, bar. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess it's kind of interesting too when I think about that. It's like I will probably never play Crisis Core again. Yeah, I'd love um, to play it once. You know, because I've played it. Yeah, um, I'll play the. Re- you know, I'll play the. Re- depending on how long, like the, as far as like the remake kind of thing is concerned, it just depends. If yeah. the remake sucks, I will play it once. For this is for Final Fantasy VII. If the remake is three hundred hours, I will just play the original Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I don't think the remake. I think all of these episodes are going to be like five hours each. I don't think they're going to make. It's going to cost. If you saw how good that game looks, every single piece of it's going to take them so much money and so much time that. Do you think they'll still give you the option to go out and level up your characters though? I don't even know, man, because the game's going to be played more like 15, which is great. I love the 15 battle system. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be like the grind fest that 7 was. I don't think there's going to be... 7's really not that much of a grind fest unless you want it to be that. But there is random battles on the map. That's what yeah. I mean. Like, I don't think you're going to see that anymore. Like, yeah. I think like 15 where, you know, you saw the planes coming overhead and you said, Yeah, I don't want to do this. I'm going to run away. Yeah. You're going to get those options. That's the Super BS Gamescast, available today on all Humanica Media outlets. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do do people still use dials? If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. All right, and we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos show. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, and I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanican Media, it's Josh Peterson. Again, check out our shows every Monday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network and also the PCC Multiverse, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, also on the Podcast Radio Network. If you miss an episode, it's no problem. You can download all of our episodes at any point in time on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunna Geek Network as well. When you do download it, you also get a bonus episode from Humanic Media, Game Source, Rob McCallum Films, and Wine, Women, at Words as well. One of those shows will be added onto it as a bonus just for listening. So I ask you, you are the man, the myth, the legend as far as Humanic Media, but you're also a huge, huge Game of Thrones fan. Are, are you not, Josh? Yeah, I, I dabble in that. Yeah, dabbling is an understatement of the day. But I ask you this. Have you heard the news that uh, HBO is so in love with the show, which will actually end next next season with an uh, abbreviated or truncated number of episodes, that it is actually going in a process, in development, are actually going about doing another maybe 
two, three, maybe four spinoff shows. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what they were talking about. I'm not too fond of the ideas that they were putting out there, though. So what were some of the ideas shared with our audience exactly what they could be possibly thinking about as spinoffs for the Game of Thrones? Well, one was, um, you know, like Robert's Rebellion. They wanted to talk about that, uh, which which could be interesting. Another one was talking about Braun and Jamie having like their own little buddy thing, I guess, depending on how uh, Jamie's story ends with Game of Thrones, that might be something. But I, I wouldn't be too interested in it. And then another one was... Uh, uh, it, it was based on one of the. I haven't read the the little side stories that uh, George R. R. Martin has put out there, but one of them was based on that. And then another idea was to show uh, the fall of Valeria, which could be really interesting because I know they briefly talk about it, or they have a couple chapters in the last book that talks about it. And in the show, they have one episode, you know, where uh, the stone guys jump up on the boat and Jorah catches the. Uh, I forget what the the stone disease is called, but. Um, yeah, that could be interesting because it, it's just Game of Thrones is kind of like we're at the point now where magic is being reintroduced into this uh, this this society. And, you know, back then in Valeria, magic was, you know, it wasn't technology or weaponry. It was magic. Like magic was ruled over everything. And magic dragons is your typical, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings type deal. But uh yeah, it, it, that that would be the only one I'm interested in. I'm not a huge fan of prequels, though. I'll, I'll just I'll put it out there. I don't I don't like prequels. Once a story moves forward, I don't like to go backwards because, uh, especially in books, I've already you know they've given a lot of detail about what happened before. So it's just well, one of those things, you know. But if that's the case, so you weren't a big fan of doing the Rogue One and then the Han Solo films and all that. Yeah, I you know I, I liked Rogue One. I. I I don't know. If you were to ask me if I wanted something that came before, something that came after, I'd probably say after. But I don't regret watching Rogue One. I, I, it was it was well done, and the story was good. Well, if they want to do spinoff films, they don't really have much of a choice unless it was something at this current, let's say, uh, Star Wars of Force Awakens. They would do something maybe with the fighters after they left You know, the, the planet being destroyed or something. Something along that same time frame, they could do something like that. But it's so much easier to take from all the information and all the, the, the stories and all the things that they left or they briefly alluded to within the Star Wars universe, correct? Oh, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, I will I'll, I'll watch Star Wars no matter what. I mean, it, it could be I, I wouldn't want to watch this, but even if they had like a, a you know, a spinoff on Watto, I'd still probably go to see it. But, um, but yeah, just prequels I, as a whole is just. Prequels as a whole, I, I have a hard time with. I I watch some, but I don't like I don't like to go backwards. Like for example, um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, great movie, but I would have much rather wanted to see what happened to Harry Potter after the Battle of Hogwarts instead of what happened in the Wizarding World back in the twenties. I mean, that's just my personal taste, though, when it comes to storytelling. I don't blame you driving in that minivan all over the place. <laughs> Correct, because he became the soccer dad? Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, that's true. He's, he's... That would have been kind of cool, you know, a, you know, an entity, like, rises up from the soccer field and is threatening the entire, you know, Just world. And there you go. He, he pulls out of the soccer bag right there, you know. But anyways. But, but 
plot twist, it's actually Hermione's bag that never ends. So he's like, oh, crap, my wand's in here somewhere, but I can't find it. Exactly. exactly. Pulls out everything else. But uh, <laughs> I can understand your, your hesitancy in regards to prequels as a whole. I know for a lot of times that, that it seems to be Hollywood's way of reaching into something and trying to to beat it. Uh, until it's there's there's really nothing left to give as far as from a franchise is concerned. I know when it concerns like the for instance the Fast and the Furious and, and the way they've told back they've gone back and forth in time frames as far as in previous iterations is kind of yeah I know from from it's kind of hard for for anybody to follow that and throwing a prequel into the mix there would be even more difficult. And then with any I guess the the obvious question is with the massive uh, advertising that's being done. What are your thoughts on on the continuing prequels from the Alien thing? Because um, really, Scott has said that Aliens Five is not happening anytime soon. I think that with Alien, they can get away with it just because the pro- same thing with Star Wars. Just because the properties are so old and they have it literally spans two generations of people that you can get away with something like that. And especially since Alien, like not a lot of people. Like obviously, us like we're we're huge fans of those movies, but you know, you ask a lot of like uh, younger kids, "Hey, do you like Alien? Do you like Predator?" They're gonna be like, "No." And if they do, they're gonna be talking about whatever the most recent one in the franchise was. So I, I think with you know pro- older properties, they they can get away with that kind of thing. I'm not a huge fan of how they keep giving away everything about the new Alien movie, like. I, I'm I'm so scared that by the time I go to actually watch it, that I'm gonna have seen it because they put. So many clips, so many trailers, so many little prequel videos. It's just it has me concerned. I saw Alien Covenant. You're you're definitely worried about that. But if you're running HBO, and I always like to put you in a situation where you're always leading these big companies and whatnot. But if you were running HBO and you wanted to go ahead and bleed, 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 bleed that Game of Thrones towel dry and wringing that out, and you wanted to go ahead and make something in that universe. What would you be doing? Do you have any good show ideas that you think might be worth watching or might might bring even more success to the Game of Thrones realm? I would want to see – I know I just went on this rant about prequels, but I would want to see how the uh, the fall of the first men, like how the, the White Walkers came about, the children of the forest, what happened to them. And, it, you know, I, I would love to see something after Game of Thrones, but it's hard for me to say that because I don't know how it's going to end yet. The books haven't gone that far, and neither has the show. But I would love to see, like, the Children of the Forest. Because there's a lot of, uh, you know, mythology in there. And I, it would be interesting to know how it happened. Or uh, Matt's Raiders Rebellion. How did how did the people, uh, you know, how did he get away from the, the, the taking the black and doing all that stuff? So it, there, there's a lot of interesting avenues to explore. But if, if I were the showrunners, like, I would explore Old Valeria. Like, people like magic. That's the... You know, that was the big appeal with Lord of the Rings and, uh, you know, Harry Potter, obviously. People like magic. They like to be taken to fantastical worlds. Uh, Game of Thrones is dark, you know, and obviously they're going to, they'll probably put some magic back into it. But, you know, there's there's these rich worlds that he talks about in the books. Like George R. R. Martin goes into detail about what Valeria was like, what the, uh, you know, the, the, the first men, when they came from wherever it is they came from, what that world was like. And that I think, that could be visually a visually stunning show to watch. Definitely. That's a great idea. Indeed. 
If any of you out there have ideas for a spinoff for the Game of Thrones and you don't think HBO is going to hear you, or your thoughts on prequels as a whole, if you like them, don't like them, send us your thoughts our way, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos on Facebook, GameSource, and also Humanican Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show with with our thoughts on on a little show that's coming our way that, uh, well, ABC is going to try it again with another another shot at the Marvel Universe. And we're going to see if Josh is thinking a little bit more human about Inhumans when we're coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www dot popculturecosmos dot wordpress dot com it started with a simple concept one man thirty days buy all the nintendo games without using the internet in any way boom cheat codes, there's no game genie, there's no extra lives. Some way, somehow, he'll succeed at what he wants to do with this. This journey is going to be incredible. I'm going to literally go across the country. There are precisely three things he's passionate about. Star Wars, rock and roll, and video games. And the big boss at the end of the game is the ticking clock. If he doesn't beat that, he loses a chance at a dream. I think the collecting of the games... I think will be the easier part for him. I'm going to get to see all these amazing game stores, all these different types of people. Regardless of whether he gets all the games, it's just going to be this massive game loving. It's just going to be fun. And then we started asking ourselves why it was Nintendo. Why did we pick Nintendo over any other game company? Because I think that's the system everyone can relate to. Everyone loves the NES. For a period of time there, Nintendo was a word used to describe video games in general. Every game they came out with really had a level of success to one degree or another. And you didn't just play for three or four days. You played for weeks, sometimes months. Think about Mario and Zelda and only being limited to that space. So everything had to be so melodic. These are cool items that document historical information. If someone were to show me a library of NES games in a file on their computer, I'm not impressed. If someone were to show me the artifacts, that's what matters. Anyone can take a picture. Again, I'll say it, man. Life is too short to be doing something that you don't want to do every day. The NES is the system responsible for the industry for what it is today. That's the system everyone can relate to. Everyone loves the NES. Why don't you show me some of the games you have the world record on? Well, I have it on Zexon, Yars Revenge, Star Master, Star Voyager, Skiing. I guess games on every one of these roads. Cubert, Pitfall, Laser Blast, Kangaroo, E.T., Chopper Command. That and, of course, the favorite, <laughs> Dragster up in the corner. Catch the hit documentary Nintendo Quest today on Comic-Con HQ and Crackle. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry, 
That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Check it out every Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. We're going to close it out here on the Pop Culture Cosmos show. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanican Media. It's Josh Peterson. And Josh, before we head on out today, want to make sure everybody's up to date. Even though it's going to be a lighter week, they still need to know what's going on with Humanican Media. This week with Humanican Media, we have a new Super BS coming at you on tomorrow. And we will have a Saturday, I'm recording a new episode of What About This? And there are some other things coming up here, but I don't have any for sure dates or anything set. So you'll know when I know. Definitely some great things indeed. Check out Humanican Media on YouTube, on Facebook, and also Twitter as well. And they've got channels on Podbean. And where else you got them? Podcast.com. Google Play. Overcast FM, um, YouTube, Facebook. I, I think it's on other stuff. I think like once I put the RSS feed into something, because it's popping up on all kinds of like Google searches. So I don't, you know, you can just put it into Google and you'll find it, I'm sure. That's some great things indeed. That's Humanican Media. Check it out today and all their great stuff. And like I said, we also throw some of their stuff on the Pop Culture Cosmos Networks. Josh and I, you know, coordinate that as well. So before we head on out, we got to talk a little bit about the Inhumans. And uh, I know we were talking about at some point in time early in our tenure here at the Pop Culture Cosmos show about the Inhumans at one time being a film that was going to be earmarked for motion picture release right around 2020, 2021, all that. And, And it was part of that next phase of the Marvel Universe. But it has seemingly been squashed and now reborn again as a television series coming to, not Netflix, to ABC. So I ask you, Josh, is the third time going to be a charm? Because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has had its up and downs. Agent Carter's had had tremendous ups and then also a lot of serious downs and is no longer actually on the air. So I ask you, uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on the Inhumans coming to ABC? And could you give a little bit of background to people on the Inhumans that are being represented in this upcoming fall series? See, Inhumans is a property I've never really explored that much. Just what I've seen and like what I've read in like Ultimate Comics. They're a, the Inhumans are, if you've been watching Agents of Shield, you know they've been exploring that arc with the uh, the crystals or whatever that the the uh, I forget what those things are called, but it's basically goes into, went into the ocean. Like all people are consuming fish oil pills and they're developing powers, kind of their version of mutants, but the inhumans, like as far as like black bolt and the, the other, you know, his family, they're a Royal family and they've been hidden from the world. They, uh, they choose not to intervene in the affairs of man because they think man's not ready for what it is they are. Um, you know, I'm not. But something's actually going on within the Inhumans universe that's causing a lot of friction and maybe turmoil and maybe a little bit uh, that mu- that might necessitate exactly them having to interact with the rest of the world. Yeah, correct. I haven't been keeping up with Agents of Shield, so I really have no idea what's going on besides the fact that there are now robots and Ghost Rider and stuff like that. I the the show as a whole, I'm not too interested in it to be completely honest. Like, I think. 
with ABC, like Agents of Shield has its ups and downs, but the you know Ghost Rider looks cool. But the the shows that have been on ABC, just they're they're not as budget, they're not as quality as like something that's on Netflix or in the MCU, obviously, which costs more money. But uh, and just from what I saw of the costume, you saw the pictures, right? Online, the costumes look very uh, like eighties ish. Like it looks like something you'd see in like the eighties in an eighties Marvel flick. And so that has me concerned. The budget, the uh, which, is, the, which is a surprise because Disney, ABC, they, you know, Disney owns ABC, and you think you would want your property of Marvel and your property of ABC to get the best quality output of each, correct? You'd think, and especially since this is such a limited run series, like it's, I think they're doing 10, 10 episodes, if I'm correct, ten or twelve. Yeah, something like that. Um, you think that they'd be pumping more money into it, but it just it looks from the the stills that I've seen and the descriptions, it looks and sounds really cheesy. And it almost looks like a miniseries, almost like you know, for instance, uh, V, the miniseries. It always comes to mind when I'm when I think about this, as far as the limited run and whatnot. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be the, down that same path, but it, it's just it looks like it's just not going to be able to be that that upper echelon series that we were hoping that ABC would would produce because the network as a whole needs that kind of boost going on for its overall status, don't you think? Right, and because I was expecting a lot from this just because it's originally started out as a Marvel film, like it was slated to be released in the Marvel universe, and then it dropped down, it like completely surpassed Netflix and dropped down to an ABC show, and now I'm really concerned about what this is going to be. Like, I'm going to have to wait and see... Uh, I'll probably watch the first episode, but I'm I'm worried about it. I don't I don't think it's going to be the thing everyone thinks it's going to be. Well, if, if that's the case, at least you're shooting in Hawaii, so you know it can't be all that bad. So uh, the production when production's in Hawaii, you know how bad can it actually be? So uh, I know uh, as far as from a presentation standpoint, I'm, I'm hoping it will be something that definitely people will want to watch. I hope it's something that I want to watch that I would be looking forward to because I know a lot of people have been looking forward to each and every Netflix show that's been on the air. But when it comes to the ABC Marvel universe, it's not been exactly that, that same home run that they've had on other outlets, would be at the movies or Netflix. Everybody, what are your thoughts out there on Marvel's Inhumans? Is it going to be something that you're going to catch come this fall, or is this going to be something that you're going to be running away from and checking out other Marvel properties instead? Let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, it's been a great episode. We had the Super BS Gamescast on earlier, and also Jonathan and Jess from the TV Ratings Guide and TVRatingsGuide.com. You want to check out their great site. Every day they provide stories, reviews, and a whole lot of opinions on the world of television, whether it's ABC, CBS, NBC, CW, Fox, just all the major major channels. They do provide coverage on exactly which shows are, are, are hot, which shows are not, and which shows are, are precariously in the middle that could go either way between renewal or cancellation. Definitely a great site to check out indeed. That's the TVRatingsGuide.com, so we truly appreciate them. 
joining us on the show and look forward to our conversation with them on the Friday evening show as well. The PCC Multiverse, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. So, Josh, any last thoughts on the way out? I mean, it's been a great weekend with Guardians of the Galaxy. Again, uh, I guess meeting expectations right in between the 140, 160 that was expected. So it's definitely doing well and off to a great start. We we thought the movie as a whole was was worth watching despite some issues here and there. It's not as good as the first one, but definitely a, a you know watchable movie in its own right. Any last thoughts on exactly the weekend as a whole? No, I mean King Arthur's coming out this weekend, right? It's that's exciting. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, I was going to say to you, well, let's hold off that talk for our Friday discussion because that's going to probably be one of our big topics of conversation then. So if you want to know more about Josh's thoughts on King Arthur as far as the, that movie coming out, you want to wait for our Friday program, indeed, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network, and then all of our other downloadable outlets as well. But I know you're looking for that one. I I just hope uh, that it's going to be everything that you're asking for. I know my wife is very interested to see the film as well. But any other last thoughts before we head on out? Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, do the social media thing. You know, we got Humanica Media, Pop Culture, Cosmos, a lot of great content, a lot of great content coming up. So, uh, you know, the the future is is bright at the moment, you know, unless it gets snuffed for some reason. But, yeah, there's a lot of good content coming your way. Uh, stay tuned. Thanks for the support. Help us doing our thing. The future is so bright, you got to wear shades. Whoa. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. We thank you so much for being a part of the pop culture cosmos indeed. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome back to Super... Oh, wait. Ring, ring, ring. Sorry. Uh, oh, uh, Mr. Miyamoto-san? Oh, yeah, definitely. I will uh, direct uh, all of the Mario Brothers from this point on. Sorry about that, guys. I just had a uh, really cool 
conversation with somebody, some big news rolling around. I don't want to tell the viewers yet at home. At what point, at what point did you decide to do that? Because yeah. obviously we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't know about that beforehand. Yeah, of course. Who would you know? I just got... I've got this idea. I'm not going to tell them. I just got this cool phone call. Sorry that you guys didn't hear my phone ring and the me talking. It was a really short conversation. Um, anyways, we are back. We are video game news about podcasts, and we talk about podcasts all day, every day. And this is your video games. Your, no, we're a video game news about podcasts, and we're video on a video game console near podcasts. you. So uh, I'm Brank, uh, professor, and uh, I'm only interested in pod news, actually. POD news. POD. We are a youth of a nation. Our fan site. And what is your? Call it POD cast. What's your gamer cast? My gamer cast. Your name. My name. Your gamer tag. Jank. Jank? Okay, so Brank, Jank. <laughs> I'm Brian. You should have been Stank, also, you dumbass. Also, uh, <laughs> also Donna. Donna? Okay. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, my when I was a kid, my dad, um, he, he introduced me to Legend of Zelda and he used to love to make three files and name them Link, Wink, and Stink. <laughs> Which is how you should make all three files. And I think of it every time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make all these three files. Um, anyways, so we've been gone for a little bit. Have we been playing games? Uh, You've been playing things, old Donna? Um, yeah. Um, I'm almost done with Dragon Age Inquisition. Never going to finish this! I haven't really played a lot of games <laughs> the last couple of weeks, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, that's um, why. We're going to cut that out. Um, um, yeah, I've been playing mostly that when I have a minute. I played. Where did I play? Um, I I turned on my Vita, which is again. How does it exist? <laughs> such, a, nothing... such a fantastic device that never gets games. It would be amazing if there was no PlayStation Four and just the Vita, and that was where they focused for a few years. Because mm. it would be still cool. have zero interest in a PlayStation Four, but I just uh, want to play everything on Vita. I. So wait, real quick, to edit on that, I would agree with you, but I think that PlayStation 4 should also just be the Nintendo Switch, and every console should just be the Nintendo Switch, and then they're all, hey, I want to take this on the go, and then we're good. If Nintendo owned every console, we would never be able to buy them. Sony, uh, <laughs> Sony would only make a, like a console and like portable com- combination if Microsoft had the idea and then everyone hated it <laughs> yeah. because then Sony could do it and get worshipped for it yeah. so well, I mean they're for the gamer by the gamer man. yeah <laughs> um, uh, so we've been playing on Vita but uh, I haven't actually played anything except for Adventure Time I forget which Adventure Time game it is it's newer probably Cursed Ice King Castle or whatever they're called I know they got I forget no I'm a huge fan of the show Adventure Time uh, and this game plays like a Zelda, so top I think they down. Have a couple, right? There, yeah, it's not the explore the dungeon because I don't uh, know why. I heard that one's not very good. Yeah, um, I feel I wish they were all amazing because it's such a fun universe. Like it's the coolest and it's hilarious. This game so far is pretty fully voice acted, so that's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, but it was 99 cents on the PlayStation Store. Adult Swim. Uh, yeah, and it's, uh, or Cartoon Network. Um, oh, okay. We're the same. But uh, I bought it while I was waiting for Salt and Sanctuary to download. Yeah, Salt and Sanctuary looked good. But cool. I haven't started that yet. Um, I, I don't know that. if I've played anything else recently besides a little Did bit of Did you Dragon beat Age. Mario 3D World? 
So I got to bring up the hot games that are recent. Yeah, recent hot <laughs> games. Mario 3D World, Dragon Age Inquisition, Salt and Sanctuary. I was no, I haven't played it in a few weeks. Um, I've been wanting to play like Mario Galaxies recently, but I since I I am one of those people now who sell my old consoles to get new ones. I now have no way to play it, and I've just been thinking, man, I want to release these. That's why I didn't do that. Oh, you need to... Well, what are you going to do, though? Like, I don't want to keep plugging them up with the TV to play them. Like, wait, wait. As, as somebody who does not play Nintendo products... At all? At all. You haven't owned a Wii or a Wii U? Or... I owned a Wii for, like, two months, and then Sold it? I got to the point where I was like, you know, this whole having to move around while playing video games is not working for Most me. of the games, though, you don't even do that. Like, even Mario Galaxy, you just use, like, the little controller. Oh, see, I didn't keep it long enough to play those wow, games. Wow, man. That but, Wii was actually kind okay, of Okay, so tell games. me this, though. Like... Is anything on Nintendo backwards compatible? We and Wii U games are backwards compatible. Okay. Yeah, and they all of their uh, portables used to be backwards compatible with the previous generation. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, and I think wasn't it the first 3DS was also portable with Advance, or was that just DS? I think just DS. Oh, okay. Because that would have been cool. Um, yeah, there's usually backwards compatibility for Nintendo systems, at least of some kind. Maybe um, they need to get better. About Switch, it. <laughs> not for Switch. Actually, yeah. Switch is like the first time that there's zero, right? Yeah. Oh, GameCube. Because GameCube was disc based. So like, oh yeah. yeah, GameCube was disc based. Uh, Nintendo 64, Super but, Nintendo. But yeah, the GameCube, but the game, uh, the Wii was backwards compatible with GameCube. You could throw yeah. GameCube games. Well, that's where they started backwards compatibility. Before yeah. that, but wasn't it was the GameCube disc? Well, no, because with Game Boy, like with all the Game Boy. No, but I mean uh, the yeah. consoles, like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, N64. You know, every time you just yeah. buy the system, weren't the GameCube discs like this big? They were. Yeah, awesome. They were. They weren't square like that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so uh, these square discs that you got, <laughs> like this with a little um, point down at the bottom. Did you get a chance to play Numenera at all? Since I mean, we haven't done this for a couple weeks. No, I. I've been thinking um, about that, or actually. no, no, I think I have actually. I, I downloaded an update for it, um, and I continued on my my merry way, questing through Sage's Cliffs. I'm almost done with the first main area. I think there's three areas. Oh, so. And like total in the game, yeah. I want to get back into that. I actually want to get on console. I know that's probably not the preferred way to play it, but I want to get on console because I know they patched it. But I want to get it like when it's way lower price, like probably yeah. twenty bucks. My, so. my, yeah, it'll be. I, I I understand PC is the way to play it. I just have a hard time sitting at my computer. I have to buy a new chair for that, but uh, yeah. it's like just really like not a comfortable way. You just to find a chair on the street, like I did. Yeah, that's how you. That's how you know you're getting a good chair. If hey. you find, it's a chair on the street. I'll I, take that it. chair that I found on the street is a really nice chair for finding it on the street. On the curb, yeah. on the curbside. Yeah, it was like a free. It had, it had free tape to it, <laughs> but it, like it was probably like I mean, I always forget. Like desk chairs are like really expensive. They are. It's yeah, probably are like a thousand dollar chair easily. It's like it's not maybe not thousand dollars. Dude, when I looked at desk chairs, like ones that looked like that were like fifteen hundred bucks. Desk chairs are stupidly expensive. Yes, like stupidly I expensive. don't get it. Yeah, I don't know why. why is that. I don't know. I went probably to uh, because, mine's broken. I looked up for a new one. And it's like, yeah, probably because they don't. They're not made like they're made probably less with the individual consumer in mind and more for like corporate budgets. Like, oh, yeah. they're replacing like chairs for the office or something. These it's people like, have exposable income. Let's charge them a yeah, million dollars. Did I mean, you say exposable income? Exposable. Yeah, exposable. <laughs> exposable. People can see them we know. and grab it. They, we know your they've seen their income. <laughs> My uh, income is fully exposed. <laughs> so, Jank, what you been playing? I have been playing Uncharted, the collection. Oh, God. 
I don't know. I just got bored and I went back and played that's, it because that I, sounds boring. I just it got like bored and you wanted to get more bored. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I'd rather play some really old games that don't like stand up on their own anymore. Like they they did not you know I, age I, well. I own it, so I figured why not play it. I own it too because it came free with the PS4. Like it's not like a, something I'm gonna like. Oh, let me spend some time. Yeah. What else have you been playing? And I I played Arrow. It's as uh, it's like a rhythm based. Uh, Flight game. Arrow pays for us, by the way. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, Arrow and rhythm based. Game. It was actually a lot of fun. I'm not into like it. it you had this this uh, line that your your ship flies around, okay. and then you had to match it with the beats of like the dubstep music. Oh. Well, I mean, that's our favorite style of music is dubstep. So I, to. I wish you were a DJ on this Arrow as well. <laughs> And I use the DJ Hero control. Um. And I have, I, I dabbled a little bit in Final Fantasy Dimensions, which is something I wanted to talk to Eric about. Donna. At Donna. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, you're just going to bleep that first yeah. one out. Let's talk to, about. <laughs> what, what is your opinion on that? Um, Dimensions is the only Final Fantasy mobile game worth playing, I think. Wait, what about the 3D one? That one looked really cool. 3D one. Yeah, they released a Mobius, I think it's called. Dude, that one's supposed to be terrible. That's like it card, looked cool, that's like though. The card like, game one, yeah, right? it's the card one. No, 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 no. Exodius? What is it called? Like, Exodus. You, so, there's. Is that it? Exvius? Yeah. Exvius is not 3D. Exvius is the one where you do, like, a side scroll. It's like the free to play where there's side scroll battles. And, oh, no, not that one. Um, and you can, like, summon characters, like, with orbs. It's like an orb summoning. Mobius is the same. It's a free-to-play. Yeah, it actually kind of looks cool, though. I've played it. It's a little bit... It looks it looks pretty, but it's definitely clunky, and it is card-based with your classes. Like the, And it's orb-based. If it was on console, I probably would try it, at least. If but not, it's a, it's a free-to-play, so that yeah. means that you're, like, so roll, you try it. like you're drawing... I'm never going to try it. You're, like, drawing for job classes. You need to, like, uh, get better, like, of the same class. Like, it's, Why do they have to make it card-based? There well, are very few card-based things that have been But it, it doesn't matter because it's orb-based. It's, like, you have to, like, you have, like, a stamina or whatever. and you Like, it's that. Yeah. Dimensions is a throwback Final Fantasy title. It's just, like, a... Do you ever get to walk around the map? Yeah. I, okay, is that the one that you walk around the map? Yeah. Because there was one that I tried where you don't and you just constantly go from battle to battle. I'm like, when do yeah, I get to walk same around as, the map? That's the same as Mobius. Um, nice. Yeah, Dimensions is and Dimensions is not a remake of anything because the remakes on on iOS are pretty terrible just because they make the graphics all gross. Looking. I mean, besides that though, they're fine. They're just the graphics just look stupid. Yeah, um, Dimensions it has like a job class system. Um, the only thing, the catch is that it's not free to play. It's twenty bucks, or it used to be twenty bucks. Oh, really? You you can play the first chapter for free. The graphics then, are bad though. Yeah, they're I mean, really bad. Yeah, but oh, see, man. they're they are bad, but they're not based on anything else. So yeah. it's not like you're playing Final Fantasy VI that's been taken from its original graphics yeah. to worse. I, this is just how it is. Who would, who is Square Enix? Do you think decide? Hey, let's we have some great old sprites. Instead of doing that, let's just come up with this weird, ugly looking, I guess, upres sprites. They just look bad, though. You see them, and you're like, yeah, this looks like it was made by somebody in Unity in like an afternoon. Right, like, no, it looks terrible. It's, um, it's the novelty of having a mobile game. I so, I hate mobile games. So Dimensions is pretty good, though. It's pretty entertaining. You obviously you unlock job classes. There's a whole thing to it. You unlock them like as you go. There's secret classes. It's the whole like it's like a whole Final Fantasy like retro experience. The only annoying thing is that there's no cloud saves. So when you change your device, 
Oh, so if you're playing on like iPad or uh, so, because like, I used to play it on my iPod before I ever oh. had an iPhone. Yeah, and then I got an iPad, and I was like, oh, I want to transfer my save, and you can't. You can't. So yeah. it's like, yeah, it's weird. Apple's normally really good about kind of enforcing. People. I think it, yeah. Well, Square does it with every other. Like I transferred my iOS Final Fantasy Five, all that kind of stuff. But uh, anyway, Dimensions is pretty good. That's that is the one real quick side note. That's the one thing I don't like about the cross buy games on PS4, or PS Vita is like you buy the game and say you want to play it at home and then you want to play on the Vita. You have to first upload the games to a cloud, which I think you can only get access to if you pay for PSN Plus, and then you have to download the saves to the device. It's like why just up just do the Xbox thing where every single save file you have is uploaded to the cloud. So. If your Xbox gets broken or stolen or whatever and you download the games, like, all of your save files come with it now. Mm-hmm. So it's like you don't have to worry about, like, like oh, man, I'm going to lose this save file. But anyways, anything else you want to talk about? Um, that's it. Okay. I mean, I know we already talked about I finished Mass Effect. Yeah. Oh, you finished it? I finished it. Oh, me, did, did we talk about that? I don't remember. No. I don't know. I think you told me on the phone, but I don't think we okay. talked about it here. So I finished Mass Effect. I, I reached the point where I was... Game of the um, year. Yeah, because right? <laughs> there's there's so much to do, and I I reached the point where I'm like, dude, I just I, I'm gonna be stuck on this game forever if I don't just play through the rest of it. So I played through the rest of it, and I it ended, and I did not feel an attachment to any of the characters. I was like, there's all this stuff happening. The dialogue, the villain was very bland, and the dialogue going on during that last fight was just not well thought out, and I just I did not feel anything. Like I it, I could have. Like, the, the main characters could have all died, and I would have been, oh, that's fine, whatever. Well, it's a Mass Effect. You don't play it for the story. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's really dumb. That reminds me of, like, how cool the first Mass Effect was when you fight Saren at the end of it. Mm. Like, oh, man. Do you guys remember that? Like, oh, yeah. it, it's just, like, such a cool moment. And you're like, yeah, I've been chasing this guy across the galaxies, you know, We're lost people. with Rex in the first Mass Effect. Oh, man. Yeah, they have this whole story, too, with the Krogan. And it's Rex. It's not. It's not Rex, but it's just all these Krogans, and they just made the Krogans out to be just total, you know, like whiny bitches about everything. Like it's. I, I'm still excited to play it at some point when it drops slow enough because I've I've heard they're patching the game to you know completion. Yeah. And they're gonna finish it at some point. So, I think by the end of this year, Wait, the game's not d- finished. Uh, I've just heard they're adding, like, not just animations, they're adding story stuff and changing dialogue and doing, like, I, I'm curious like what Mass Effect Andromeda will look like, yeah, like, they're changing, like, PC stuff, but they're also doing, like, story stuff, which I'm like, I don't know if Mass Effect Andromeda, just even story-wise, is gonna be the same at the end of this year as it is right now. I mean, that's... So it's basically just a focus tested game, a focus group tested game. Yeah, they had EA was probably saying, "Hey, you cannot make this into next fiscal year because we are not going to give you a budget for it. So your choice is to put it out now, or everybody gets fired." My guess, yeah, but I'm sure EA also said like made them make it anyway, where it's like, well, yeah. My guess is though, like you imagine if you were working on a project and you want to make this project as cool as you can, because I'm sure those people on it wanted to make it cool. You know, like yeah. games, while people do make some money making them, it's not like the highest paid thing you could do with that when you're that smart. You know, right. um, my guess is they wanted to make it cool, but the truth is, if you have somebody saying like it's due by this day and you can't get it ready that time, and like, it has to include this, 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 and this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, sure, like, I'm it, sure EA had like a giant list of like. If they could have assassin's criticism that needed to have, it's one of those things. Like you have people who are like, "Hey, hurry up and put this game out," 
And then you have the developers who are like, it's not ready to go out, but they have to, have to meet the deadline. But yeah. they, the, the developers, not developers, but the people, the publishers are still expecting it to have the quality that people are expecting. It's almost yeah. impossible. But then it also comes down to people. Yeah. Kind of I mean, bleed pe- into games as art. Yeah. Discussion that we'll have with the Call of Duty stuff in a sec. But yes. Yeah, but it's uh, one last thing about that, and then I want to talk about the, the games I've been playing real quick. Um, like, people have been whining a lot about Mass Effect. From what I understand, in any other year if it would have come out, a lot of people would have accepted it as a great game. But mm-hmm. it just came out after Zelda, and after Horizon, and after Neo, and after Witcher, and just after so many games that it feels like, well, if you would have released this at, like, Dragon Age Inquisition time, maybe people would have been more forgiving. Because yeah. there was just less The thing is, games. a lot of people who are whining about it have also gone out and picked it up and are Yeah, I mean, those are the people that are going to whine about it. The people who aren't are going to buy it regardless. That's, that's always how it is. And they're going to be the ones who get the game changed, even though the people will like some things about it. They'll be like, well, we hate this. And it's going to be like 10 people, you yeah. know? And it's like, nobody else cares, just these 10 people. Anyways, I've, uh, I've been playing a couple games, so I just want to discuss them real quick. Hey, I, hey, wait, what games have you been playing? Bam! <laughs> uh... I've been playing. Uh, do you guys know what Wonder Boy is? Dragon's Trap for Switch. Did you guys mm-hmm. get to see pictures for that? So I got. I picked that up last week because I just want to play something on Switch. Um, really cool old uh, Master System game. I never had a Master System. I played. I I remember buying Wonder Boy on the Virtual Console for Wii. Oh really? What I I've never played it before. But I think um, the one is remake of Wonder Boy like three. three right? Yeah, yeah Wonder Boy I just, three. I think they had Wonder Boy and Monster World on the Wii Virtual Console. Yeah, it's. It, but I remember get. I remember hearing about that because that band Dragon Force was really influenced ah, by it. I, I actually thought Tenacious D might have written their song Wonder Boy about it, but I looked up and it's not. It just happens to share the same. Like idea and lyrics too, but yeah, it's it's a cool game. Um, it's definitely an old game, but it's like kind of cool to see they redid the art and it looks like amazing. It looks like one of the coolest games I've I've seen recently because it looks like hand drawn and all the all the images are great. It's not sprites. Um, and uh, it's fun. It's like the first I guess first ever Metroidvania type game. You go through okay. and you keep unlocking rooms by you know upgrading your characters and doing all sorts of stuff. It's uh, it's yeah. cool, but it. It has, uh, has like, it's an old game. Easy, super easy to die. Like, a little bit janky in spots where you'll fall and then you'll lose health. I don't even know how. It's not like Zelda where it's like, oh, a guy takes one health off or two health. It's like your heart system's weird. Like, you can take quarters off your heart or a whole heart and doesn't nothing's explained. Um, and then, wait, 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 wait. Quarter hearts, nothing's explained. Yeah, so is Kingdom Hearts? This is Kingdom Hearts. hearts. No, no, no. Um, the so heart system is very weird. It's go. unexplained. No. <laughs> this is a Kingdom Hearts offshoot. No, it's like Zelda. You have a certain amount of hearts that you can keep upgrading, but when an enemy attacks you, you will lose sometimes a quarter heart, sometimes a whole heart, sometimes two hearts. And I don't... You get armor, which I assume affects that, but I, I don't know how it works. Is like there, my characters will just sometimes die really quickly and sometimes they won't and is, there's is it just based on enemy types or I assume I it, there's there's not like a lot explained it's a very old game so you can use a passwords too if you know if you want to google wait, like wait, passwords wait, wait. you say it's a very old game and it's out on the when is the Nintendo Switch going to come out with something that's not old or <laughs> old looking Damn you guys! <laughs> it's a remaster, so it is. It's like a brand all, new game. That's all. Yeah, I know. Switch is Switch. No, no, no. It's also on PS4, and I think soon on Xbox One. I think right now they just I'm um, released on those two. Um, but anyway, so I played that. It's cool. It's worth at least watching a video, checking it out. Um, I've also like dabbled in a couple other things. I tried the Prey demo. Got really, really early on. It's 
really cool right now, but... What's the scare factor? Is it... I mean, I'm, like, in the apartment. Like, there's, okay. uh... It's only an hour long. I, I don't think it's supposed to be... I think it's supposed to be, like, Bioshock. Like, haunting, but not scary. I'm so oh, sad about God. that game still. What game? Prey. Oh, because you like the original... Yeah, the original's <laughs> great, man, but you should try the demo for this one. Hey, it looks... I think, I, I think I'm not going to. I think really? I'm skip out on it. I'm not, not, I'm not gonna knock it as a bad game. Yeah. It shouldn't be called Prey. It does, has nothing does to it do... Have, it doesn't have any they ties just, to the original. But no. They, no. But they own the license for the name, and, like, coming they up with new names is, like... Kind of a pain. So my assumption is, like, I we own Prey. The first Prey game. I loved it. And yeah, I know. We've all played it here. Yeah, I saw the game. video, the E3 video. Like, I was like, oh, that's... Oh, you're talking about the bounty hunting No, no, no. I mean, I liked the first one, but when I saw the the trailer for the second one, I'm like, okay, I might be able Dude, to Dude, the end of the that. first game sets you up for such a weird sequel. Because it's yeah. like, yeah. one, like, how often do you play, like, legitimately consulted Native American, like, base games? Yeah. yeah. Never. Yeah. And so that was awesome. Uh, and then also like the whole like the weird like it had portals before portal yeah and all that kind of stuff and then it's like pretty pretty intense but then also like the spirit bow thing and then all the like blue oyster cult music it's like <laughs> I mean that was like a unique experience and they I'm not saying that this new prey won't be a good game but it's not going to be like it's just going to be like. It's going to be like Bioshock. Yeah. I love Bioshock. I I'm not really, saying that I don't yeah, love Bioshock. Yeah. I really love Bioshock. No, no, I'm just saying I love it, so I'm going to play the demo and see the reviews. The only thing but I'm Aesthetically about, speaking, it's going to be plain, in my opinion. It just okay. looks plain. It just I, looks like yeah, space, I, aliens, like... It's not. It's not like retro future like Bioshock. It no, reminds it's, me of a it's, mix of Bioshock and like what Dead is Space. what is what is unique about it? Aesthetically well, I mean, speaking, there's not a whole lot unique outside of like the. It's got by the guys who did Dishonored, and they yeah. have a really cool way of like creating character designs and like all their stuff is like kind of almost Pixar esque, but more human like looking. It's not mm-hmm. like ultra realistic, but it's not like cell shaded or anything. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It's it's got its own very unique style. And in Dishonored, they went for steampunk. And in this world, it's like futuristic setting. I, I don't know a whole lot. But I know that like the abilities that you get are really interesting. And the, and the tie it has to the original Prey is solely aliens. Like when you're playing the game, from what I understand, is you have two paths you can choose, essentially. You can put points into. You put points into the alien skill tree or the human skill tree. And if the more and more alien you become the more likely it is for, like, turrets that are going to kill aliens to start attacking you. Do you know what this so, sounds like to me? What? Resistance. Oh, God. Resistance terrible. Please don't. Wait, 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 wait. Resistance 1 was good. I did not like Resistance. The sequels were all downhill. Yeah. But... Like, Sony's never, to me, just they've never had a good first-person shooter. I Their controller was never made for first-person shooting. I've never, like, enjoyed playing a first-person shooter on it. Um, Resistance 2, I think that was the one that took place in the forest, looked cool. But I never really got into it. Um, I played the beta, which had like 50 player multiplayer. Mm. Anyways, so I played Prey. That was, I, I mean, I played some of it. It's a demo. So um, was it enough to make you go back to it? I mean, yeah, because I got to play about 10 minutes. I had to leave to come here. <laughs> so so I'm, not, I'm not doubting that it's not going to be a well-designed, mechanical, fun game. I'm talking about like the uniqueness of the setting. Like Dishonored is a really unique setting. Bioshock is a very unique setting. Prey 1 was a very unique setting. This does not look like a unique setting. I don't know. Like I can't speak to that yet because I'm like just at the very, very beginning. From, from the beginning, it reminds me of Deus Ex 2, which is one of my favorite games. Um, I can't remember the Deus Ex. It was on the original Xbox. Um, 
But anyways, so I played that. You guys should try the demo. I know you don't want to, but I think it could potentially be a great game. I want to wait and see reviews come out next week. Um, I've also been still playing Persona 5, which if I keep playing it, I'll probably never be done with because it's 100 hours and they said, like 10 hours in. I was listening to someone talk about it on a podcast, and I said it took them 120 hours to play from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, you can finish it, I think, in 80 hours if you skip some stuff. Uh, for me, I don't even know how that's possible because I'm 14 hours in, and the game is still pretty much like setting me on a rail. Like, hey, you do this thing. Guess what? You finished playing the dungeon today. Well, you go to bed right now. And then the next day, you get maybe get like one yeah, choice, like that's... a library. And then like, oh, well, now you got to go to bed. I hear so that's <laughs> a really aggravating part of the game is that they always make you go to bed. So yeah, I, I like love the game. I'm even cool with it because they got rid of a lot of like the vocal tracks from Persona Four, which bugged me to death. Like J-pop with vocals and games uh. like. While there's cutscenes with people talking, yeah, <laughs> like Chronicles X. Um, but one thing I can't stand actually about the gameplay, I was like loving it. But the way it make, the mechanics work, like you're hiding in the dungeons, and then you can ambush people. Really simple hiding mechanics. Um, when you press X, you ambush somebody. However, if there's two enemies next to each other, after you kill the first set of enemies, another enemy will spawn in, okay. and that enemy will get to go first. Now, the game is really easy if you uh, get attacked first because you find a weakness, knocks them down, and then you can do this big move that kills everyone. But if the enemy attacks first, a lot of them have instant kill moves. And if your main character dies, the whole game ends. And you're set back to whatever, like, safe room you were in before. The safe rooms are about 15 to 20 minutes apart. So I, I had two experiences where I lost about 40 minutes total of progress because I killed a guy. And the next guy comes in, he gets two attacks, kills my main character, game over. And, and stuff like that, I... If you're going to let somebody insta-kill, let the other players be playable. And when your main character dies, let them res them. Because all the rest of them get to come back after they die. So I don't... I, I, I don't know. It's an old JRPG trope that I I don't like. I don't like the idea of, like, we're going to kill you, we're going to send you back to the main save, but it's going to be total, like, well, you got the guy who insta-kills. I don't know what you guys think about that. I don't know if you guys play any games. I don't know. Do you guys even play video games? Well, if you guys have ever played, a it game seems strange. I mean, it, it does seem like whatever. I get the like, like oh, it's so hard, and like you could die and get sent back. But it's I not don't know. Hard. It's not. That's exactly. the thing. It's, it's the thing. It's just cheap like deaths. it's just like random cheap deaths. Yeah. I don't know. I'm that, sure that I'm sure that Persona like purists would be like, oh, that's like that's just that, Persona, man. <laughs> I went on. I went on a lot of forums searching that. I'm like, is anybody else upset about this besides me? It's like. No, that's just how Persona is. You're the main character. If the main character dies and you have to restart, and people are like, well, why couldn't they restart you before the battle or something so you didn't have to redo all the stuff? No, then there wouldn't be any challenge. I'm like, well, then just make the enemies more you, challenging or something. See, it's, like, the thing. it's like challenge, challenge isn't challenge when it's based on randomness. Like, oh, you might get, yeah. Like, it's not even like Dark Souls where you get at least go recover stuff. It's like, nope, you lose that progress. You restart at the same. You know, you know it's, it's not challenging. It's yeah. tedious. Yeah. It reminds me of back in the old Final Fantasy games. You used to not be able to skip the cinematic. So if you were to die, oh, you'd have to God. watch like 15 no, minutes in, of cinematic. That's in there's Persona as well. There's not, it? It? There's yeah, not any Persona. Final Fantasy game with 15 minutes of cinematic. Yeah, no, but I mean, you know, you know what I mean. Like, like, say you die before the, or right after, I think there's a battle in the opera scene. Say you were to die at that battle. You would have to, I mean, even though that's the coolest thing in the game, you would have to redo the opera scene. So, like, it's just, it's an old thing that we put up with when we were kids because there were less games and it was really cool. That now as we're adults, I want games to allow me to skip stuff or to, you know, like, if I've seen something once, let me skip it. 
Yeah. Just let me press a button and skip it. It's not. Yeah. It's. I get back in that day, they probably just didn't have the you know the resources. But anyways, there's some stuff we want to talk about soon. We're gonna take a real quick break, and we'll get back right at you. Right back at you. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Bring, bring, bring. Oh, uh, Gabe uh, Newelson um, of Valve. Uh, thank you. Yes, I would love to uh, take control of Valve. I really appreciate that. And uh, now I'll be the next billionaire right next to uh, Minecraft guy. Oh, sorry, guys. Just got back. I was on the phone with yeah, uh, no. some important people. Investments Don't are important. Don't want to tell you who it was yeah. with. So we got those. <laughs> Notice that. We got all those views on iTunes and, uh, or I mean, on YouTube and all the listens on iTunes. So I guess Marvel yeah. versus Capcom Infinite is a thing. You didn't know about that? No, they, I mean that's this week, right? No, that doesn't come out anytime soon. No, I mean the announcement, right? No, the announcement was um, PlayStation Experience. Oh, but yeah, yeah, it's on Xbox. Yeah, it was the PlayStation Experience. December every year they do. This, it's like I I really wish Microsoft would do something like this because it does make it that two seasons Sony has almost like full control of like their E3 tends to go over really well because everybody mm. loves them to death but actually my favorite thing is their PlayStation experience in December where they announce all of the cool like indie games and all the stuff not the big titles but all the games are coming and they'll announce them in, like Rapid Fire versus Capcom the indie game <laughs> well I mean yeah it's normally like they'll get like that's where they announce Street Fighter they, 5 I, I just saw videos for it like this oh. week pop up new Marvel versus Capcom Infinite yeah Force. I don't know why they put those videos up this week I I honestly don't know I'm not a big fighter. I heard it looks terrible from people that love fighting games really I I don't like fighting games I don't know that I can't tell yeah so. I'm, not, I, I'm not good at fighting games I've never been good at fighting games like, I just I bought Mortal Kombat versus what was that? Love Mortal Kombat. DC DC versus okay. Mortal Kombat was that a that, that was, was a long time ago yeah yeah, yeah. and I bought that thing and like yeah, this is it man I'm gonna break into this genre and I'm gonna own it and then I see just... the problem is there's no fatalities in that game the best part <laughs> babalities <laughs> the best part of Mortal Kombat's not in the in that one game oh I'd love to see Batman get exploded you know I think they have something similar though in Injustice. <laughs> In the Injustice series, which is also by the Mortal Kombat guys, yeah, they have no, like, like superheroes kill each other, and it's not called fatalities, but it's like some I don't think type of any kill. gore in that game. No, I don't know, but it's like a finisher move. Um, but anyways, uh, we're back. What did you uh, would hear from uh, Microsoft? What's the scuttlebutt? Yeah, so they're talking about the new uh, Halo game, and uh, it's not called Halo Six. Don't so, tell me it's yeah. called Halo Six. Whoa, spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> Spoiler. I Halo, know the Force Awakens. The Force <laughs> Awakens. The, the Chief Abrams Awakens. is going the last on. Master Chief. The last <laughs> Master Chief. I know we have some division on Halo Five, whether or not it's a good game. Why you like it? <clears throat> I didn't like it. Oh, I do like it. Yeah. Okay. See, that's where we're divided. Well, I mean, I thought it was fun. I played it with someone. Did you play it with someone? No. Okay, that's why you don't like it. I mean, you should have played with someone. 
All right, well, I should play Halo 4. Hindsight. I will play that with you. I, <laughs> otherwise, I'll never. But you need to get the Master Chief Collection so I can finally play with someone. Anyways, um, <laughs> back on topic. They said, uh, so Microsoft said they've been paying attention to fan feedback on Halo 5 and what they liked, what people didn't like. I guess a lot of people didn't like that there, it was too focused on Spartan Locke and his crew. You had like a yeah. Buck, I think Nathan Fillion's character. and uh, All of our favorite characters. Buck. All of our favorite characters, yeah. <laughs> ODST, I liked ODST. Yeah. Oh, he was in ODST, he wasn't was he? ODST. Yeah, I did like but ODST. They said cool. that they've been listening to fan feedback and they were like, okay, we're going to make Halo 6 more about Master Chief because we didn't realize that he was that important to all you guys. And it's like, <laughs> Nobody, why would you think we've that? We've been Nobody playing that since Halo 1. We were, what, this is like 15 years yeah. now we've been playing Halo games? And why would you not think that Master Chief Why in your designs for Halo 5 why would you not think that we wanted to be focused on Master Chief yeah. did you hear that they're re-adding uh, split screen yes I heard That's about cool. that too yeah I'm happy that they're doing that like Why? multiplayer yeah so they took out split screen in Halo 5 like couch um, co-op and, yeah, I mean, yeah didn't they yeah. do that like 8 years ago like everyone else in the world no they, they took it out on Halo 5 so, Halo 4 has couch co-op? Yeah, Halo yeah. 4 has couch co-op. Halo 5 does not. Because right. Halo 5 is like a beautiful looking game, to be fair. It is my guess looking. is they didn't want to make it look ugly, which is well, whatever. force people my, online like every company does. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, my, my biggest complaint with Halo 5 was not the fact that they were introducing new characters. It was the fact that the story bothered me a lot. Oh man, it's whatever. I, that that was the gameplay was fun. Like I loved everything about it, except for the story, and that's really the main reason that I play Halo games is for the story. I'm one of those people. I think Halo's Halo's a cool universe. I think it's got yeah, yeah I like I, it. I it's cool. I would never play those games just for the story. I think the story is a cool side thing. The coolest thing is like the you know um, like the venues, the war places you're going. You know, yeah. like yeah, I mean, it's all part of the story beach, in some ways. You know? Like the the yeah. world, the look. Yeah. Like the feel, Cause the I, lore, like it's good. Halo yeah. is the only video game that I actually went out and I've read like six or seven of the books that go alongside of it. I read the Mass Effect books. How the ones, the, oh, yeah, they're great. Them. They're written by the guy that created Mass Effect. Okay, so they're so, great. Oh, those they're, doctors who are no longer there? No, no. Okay, the, the doctors are the guys that founded Bioware. But Mass Effect, I believe, was created by Drew Capershin or something like that. I would okay. say his name. Okay. He's the guy that left... I think in the middle of Mass Effect 2, which is oh, okay. why everyone thinks Mass Effect story derails in 3. Not derails, because yeah, I think Mass Effect 3 is still a great game, but it changes from what it was supposed to be. Because there's like all this stuff, like all these like things they hint at and foreshadow in Mass Effect 1 and part of Mass Effect 2 about the Reapers and all that kind of stuff that eventually is dropped. Yeah. For the like child, oh. like the like you know, like the way that they handle it instead, supposedly is a lot different than it was supposed to be based on the, uh, the creator's intent. So, do the books offer you any like glimpse of what happened after the series? Actually, the books go before because that guy left Bioware. Oh, okay. Um, the books go, I believe. So, Callie, yeah. if you remember, is um, what's the general's name? I haven't played him in so long. Um, Oh, I know who you're talking about. Anderson? Anders. 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 Anderson? No, Anders is Dragon Age. Yeah, I mean, it's Anderson. Uh, I know you're talking about Blue Suit. Black Dude. Dark Skin. <laughs> um, Speaking of Dark Skin. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, so it's it talks about Callie, who makes an appearance in Mass Effect. It's like her story and Anderson's story when he was okay. young. Uh, okay, because um, Anderson was a Spectre, too, wasn't he? I believe so, yeah. 
He's the first. Wasn't he like the first human that's part of the council or something like that? Isn't that like a big deal too? Yeah. Because they originally know humans were allowed to be part of the council. Yeah. I think. Anyway, they're pretty damn good. Okay. Like they're that guy. That guy left Bioware to focus on novel writing. I think he also wrote. Um, he's written some Star Wars novels that are pretty popular as well. What I'd like to do is read a brand new novel by him because I I have a hard time getting into game lore like outside of games. See, I actually so. don't because it, it, it adds to um, like it's the same thing with being really familiar with the, the tabletop setting of Numenera and then playing Torment. Oh, okay. It makes it that much better. I guess um, the, the only thing I find is some people because I maybe not everyone and maybe some people handle it differently if they read too much of the outside lore and then they get to the game and the game has not followed those books correctly you know like then they get really angry you know. Well, when does when does that happen? I think Halo was an example, no, right? No, I mean, Halo, like, games, like, the books for Halo were written the, after the game came out. So you have, okay. like, all these prequel books that lead up to it and, like, the story of how... So Master does it Chief align became, with Reach, then? Yeah. Oh, oh, totally, yeah. And the story okay. of how... Yeah, Master it seems Chief, like that would be a really huge oversight to release, for a company to, like, source novels and then have them not work with the lore. I've never heard of that. Okay, yeah. so I don't know. I feel like I've I've read on forums somebody being like, well, in this thing, in this novel, Grant, they say granted, this, and in this thing, they, they say that. They did take some royalties with... Liberties. Uh, liberties, sorry. And royalties. royalties liberties. They got it. With, um, with Halo Reach, when it came, okay. that game came out, they did... Uh, change they did tweak it just a tiny bit, but it's not like super noticeable unless you're a super nerd like me. So okay, well yeah, I I don't know anything about the lore besides the main Halo that I remember the story from is Halo One. Mm. Like that is the strongest story of my memory. I mean, I played through the game a dozen times, and to me, it's it's the best, the most concise. Yeah, just like I feel the same about Mass Effect One and Mass Effect Two. I didn't beat Mass Effect Three, so I can't speak to it. But I feel like the single stories, and that's why I always like Final Fantasy, where they just stay on one story, is the best way to go. Yeah, because it's the easiest way to just keep a narrow, yeah. focused. Like, hey, we're gonna end it. When you get in this trilogy nonsense, is when it starts to be like, well, you got to make sure they all work, and you got to. And the second one's always like a throwaway story. Um, but yeah, but it's different when it's um, it's different when it's when it's stories away, like it just fleshes out the universe types of stories. Yeah, like yeah. you're talking about the main narrative. Yeah, I'm talking the about lore, the main like the I'm not talking about lore like book lore. Yeah, so that's I'm like just... that's that's what I think um, can be pretty interesting if the world is compelling. Like, I was, yeah. wasn't the Witcher based off a series? Yeah, of it's books? based it is, off yeah. of the Witcher books. Yeah. Um, I, and you know what's funny? Uh, I don't think we ever talked about this, but the writer of that book, he sold the license to make the games. Instead of like they were offering him little money with like royalties from the game, he's like, No, I don't want that. So he uh, sold, and I guess he's like, If I would have taken that like uh, contract, I would have made so much money now. But he hated games, so he never wanted to make, he never geez. wanted to like, so funny. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's just that happens to a lot of people. A lot of people look at games like, This is stupid, why would I ever do that? And they sell the license sort of thing for like a quick cash in. So, you should never underestimate what gamers like and don't like. Yeah, I would. I mean, I honestly think when you make a cool property, better than cashing out always is keep the licenses. That's why George Lucas makes so much money. You know, because he has all the licenses. Spielberg actually owns two percent of the Star Wars franchise, and it's made him like millions of dollars. Does Brett? Yeah, Spielberg probably because he also owns probably. No, no. I wonder if uh, the 
Arthur Conan Doyle still owns Jurassic Park or whatever. Michael no. Crichton. Michael oh, Crichton. Michael Crichton. Sorry, Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle is, is Conan. Sure, oh. Isn't Sherlock he Light, Lost World too? Wait, like, wait, no. Maybe you're right. I don't I know. Think, yeah, I think you're right about Conan, but I think he's also the Lost World, which is another series that they're trying to make. Anyways, I wonder if that guy, Michael Crichton, sold the book rights like out and out to the films or if he has royalties uh, I wonder because he he's, probably he's so dead like he's dead now but I would be his family that yeah. would be his state you know because I, I know that there's a company that in, in Sweden that I was reading about they, t- they take properties like old book properties and they buy them so that pe- they have to people have to pay for them if yeah. you want them like it's stupid how if you don't sign the right paperwork and you die your creative properties just go up to uh, public commons or whatever it is yeah isn't it 75 years after death though or yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wait. Not Conan. You're right. The Lost World. Yeah. Sherlock is Arthur Sherlock. Conan. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I was like, as soon as I said Arthur Conan Doyle, no, he didn't name his own series after his middle Conan, name. Conan was Edgar Rice? No. Sir Robert something? Burroughs? No, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote... Uh, uh, Tarzan. Tarzan, John Carter of Mars, and then... Robert E. Howard wrote Conan. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, well, more you know. Anyways, about sales, because we were talking about numbers, uh... Some cool Nintendo Switch news. Uh oh. They sold a lot of them. They sold 2.4 million copies, or copies, I should say, 2.4 million hardware models out the public. Um, funny news, they actually sold more copies of Zelda Breath of the Wild than they sold Nintendo Switches. How does that work? Well, and it's on the Wii U, isn't it? No. They sold, well, yeah, but no, they actually sold more Zelda Breath of the Wild for Nintendo Switch. Then they sold Nintendo Switch. You know why? Because people, there's probably people like me, and I didn't do this, but I thought about doing Amazon this. Amazon Prime. Buying either Amazon Prime or like the special editions, even though I had no intention of getting a Switch in the right, near right. future. Okay. You know, Nintendo's games also don't drop in value or price very often. Yeah. So like, if you get the Prime deal, you still get it for 12 bucks off, which is probably the best you're going to see for at least a so year or two, well you know? pick it up. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's that console's still hard to find. I guess it's in stock this week. Do you with think Mario Kart. that Nintendo is doing this on purpose? Yeah, everyone does. Probably. It yes, for sure. I remember when I was years. I remember when I was thirteen and not knowing anything about the world or business, and PlayStation Two came out and it kept selling out. People oh, man, were waiting so at line, dumb. and it, you you felt like they're going to sell out, and you're never going to be able to get one ever. Yeah. No, it is forced uh, scarcity. It, it's it's been out for a couple months now. Why not just let people buy it? Like, if you so, want to make money, who cares about building well, up a demand yeah. for it? Well, there's there's two things. One, I think forced scarcity makes people want it. Right? Yeah. If you can't have something like, okay, I went to uh, they still were selling NES classics at Best Buy this week. Yeah, I went by that Best Buy. There were sixty people in line. I rolled down my window. I was like, hey, did you guys already get tickets? And like. No, but they only have 20 of these in stock. Oh, so 20, 20 NES Classics, 60 people in line. Why are why were the extra 40 people waiting in line? Just they hoping, couldn't get the, yeah. So, so force scarcity is good. But another thing is too, I, uh, I think Nintendo always doesn't want to spend more money than they have to. So I think they didn't make that many. It takes a while to put them together. It doesn't take forever, but it still takes a little bit of time. You got to get all the stuff, have to have See, somebody this test this is it. the thing that bothers me though, like... When the Xbox One came out, it took a f- maybe three or four weeks, and you could, if you were lucky, like you can just walk into a store and pick one up. Like yeah, you could find the Xbox One day one, man. Yeah, and quickly. I would much rather like have an own. If I didn't own Xbox One, I would much rather own an Xbox One than a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it just the difference is like this is the first console that's also a portable, so you're trying to you're getting essentially two markets because Nintendo's portables have always done really well. Even though the Wii U two is... Two markets and no games. Two yeah, markets, right? yeah. 
We are okay, hoping. We're, we're gonna give you Legend see, of Zelda. We see all of all of Nintendo's last three consoles have been the first time this, this, and this. Yeah, and no games. Like yeah, the I, Wii, the first motion well, control, no, the we, Wii U, the first like game where you can like switch between the screen and the portable. You yeah. just can't take it on the go. It's the, like the thing is, this is the marriage between those two with the 3DS. But you are right; they didn't have lots of games. However. The Nintendo first-party stuff, like, I owned a Wii. I owned a Wii U, which I never got into, but, I mean, did have a great lineup of games. But the Nintendo Wii, man, like, I felt like I got my money's worth. Sure, didn't have a lot of great games, but I'm I had, not, like... Again, I'm not saying yeah. that I don't... Because I own I own all of those. I still yeah. own a Wii U. I will eventually get a Switch. I'm not yeah. saying that it's not an issue of money's worth for me. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm definitely... I'm saying the idea of, mar- of marrying a console and portable market... But not having a lot of games is... Well, it's just right now. We're hoping. We're hoping. But, you know, if it's going to be another, like, solely relying on Nintendo first party, like... Well, hopefully that and Indies. I mean, I'm okay if it's just the two of them. If it's that. But uh, uh, Stardock CEO, I can't remember what they make, but they're like... They said we're not going to... They make... uh, Payday? No, that's No, Stardock made that one... Keep going. Uh, But anyways, they talked about how the Nintendo Switch, they're not going to support it. But they said this, it's like, for 300 bucks, you're getting, like, a great amount of Nintendo product, which is always great. So it's definitely worth the thing. If it was $1,000, then it would be a way different thing. But in the end, he's, he's kind of right. This will hopefully, Nintendo is not doing a good job of it right now, but this will hopefully replace the 3DS, which had amazing games. Like, really, really amazing games. Like, probably the best Nintendo console or Nintendo, like, piece of hardware they've had for a while. And get the Nintendo console games. Yeah. So, I mean, if you get both of those, they, I think they, they would think Stardock's only PC games. Okay, but anyways, they... Because a lot of people have been talking about, hey, we want to support it. The, the, the hardest things for me to understand is, like, Nintendo Switch... Or Nintendo as a company is also, like... You guys know Axiom Verge? You guys know the indie game? It's, like, yeah. a Metroid-like yeah, game? Yeah, right. The creator of that said that they have a, a... They're ready to release it on Switch whenever. It's already done. They've already done the porting. Nintendo won't let them. Why? They said that Nintendo only wants games that have not been ported or have Switch specific stuff, which isn't true. Isn't most so, of them have ports? Yeah. It's so like I said, a lot of people think Nintendo's doing exactly what they've always done, which is like treat indie developers poorly. So I'm hoping that they start getting it together and start saying, Hey, release some, release some. Because I would rebuy tons of stuff. I'd rebuy Hyperlight Drifter. I'd re I'd buy Undertale. I'd buy like all these games. If they just let them go onto the console, okay, yeah, so. having having to have like Switch specific is the same problem with the Wii U, like having yeah. to. You had that stupid handheld screen, and they don't need it this time because they actually already. I mean, it's just a normal thing with a controller. Like yeah. they don't need it. It's not like oh, you need to make gamepad specific. It's like no, nobody wants to do that. That's so much extra work and so many extra resources. Just let people release their stuff so people can buy it. Anyways, uh, Donna, there was uh, some news from your favorite game. That came out this last week. Your favorite game, first-person shooter, Call of Duty. Yeah, your favorite thing. We want to talk. Only thing I ever played. Yeah, it's, it's Don over here. It's is got only... everything that I want in games. It's got story. It's got yeah. characters. It's got and a great, great music. A great multiplayer community. You you pretty much just play Call of Duty till the next Call of Duty, right? Only yeah. game. I uh, yeah, pretty much. So yeah. walk walk us through what the new uh, announcement was this week. Um, I didn't bother to read it all the way because <laughs> I don't it. care. Uh, or I know, I sorry, I care so much <laughs> that I already knew it's World War II. Yeah. I'm sure that it's going to continue uh, the trend of trying to be as Hollywood as possible while yeah. also being really competitive. I'm sure there'll be uh, cheesy 
Hans Zimmer style music, which is already bad. And Josh Talamo Lamo. Yeah. Yeah, from Transformers. Uh, like, how do you pronounce his name? Josh, Josh Talamo? What? Who? The guy from Transformers, the white dude. I can't remember. Oh, Josh Gaholm? Jo- yeah, is that how you say his name? I think so. I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about the guy who's like the army sergeant? Yeah, yeah, Lama? Josh Talamo Lama. Oh, that guy's terrible. Uh, but anyways, continue. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna inspire me to create artistically and okay. to just... Okay, so this is something... I don't actually know any news about it. Okay, I'll... I know, I'll I know it exists. I know since it's I watched the video and I, you know, I'll, I'll give a quick rundown and then we were talking a little bit about some stuff off camera. Um... It's World War II, obviously. Uh, they've got a pretty, I think, a really great trailer, all-in-game stuff. So, obviously, again, it's a huge franchise. They have some of the best graphics around. Um, looks really cool. Um, it is definitely the traditional World War II. They go to Normandy. They, you know, oh, man, this guy's a private, and now he's changed by the war. Um, it's uh, It's got the zombie stuff from the more recent Call of Duties, and it's going to have, like, you know, the popular multiplayer. I think it's a response to Battlefield 1 being successful because, like, everybody was not super excited about Infinite Warfare or... Infinite? Yeah, yeah mean, Call of Duty Halo? Yeah, Call of Duty Halo. Okay. Um, but anyways, there's been, like, kind of two things we've been... We were discussing them off camera, but I also want to bring up this. Some... Some... Uh, Polygon was actually responding to the fact that in the trailer there was an African-American soldier... And a child, and they were talking about how they were thrown in there for just kind of like to you know check box and put this. And do, do you know what Polygon reminds me of? They remind me of the school nurse. How she would take a comb and look through your hair for lice, like carefully pulling. Oh, finding like, wrong. Polygon does that same thing, but with racism. Well, they do the same thing with anything that issues. they yeah social issues. They do that, but the thing that it brought up was. I think that it's unfair to demand that what I call art, because games, in my view, even if they're not like artistic, they are still made up of art assets, music, um, you know, like programming, which is, you know, kind of an art in itself, like writing. They have stories. So all games to me are art in some way. They may not be like, they may be, this may be factory churned art. But it's still... Yeah, it's definitely levels of artistic. Yeah. But we can talk about that in a sec. But, so, yeah, I I just think Polygon was pressing on something that I think is unfair nowadays where if, like, you're an artist and you want to create a story and say you want it to be about four males who take a road trip to go find all their swords and then go, you know, take back their hometown, I think you should be allowed to do that without every single person on the internet coming down on you because it wasn't... Two female. guys and two girls, yeah. or you know, a was guy that, and a transgender was, and a girl. Was there a controversy? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty mild because I think since because I think I think Western developers yeah. tend to get more flack on this yeah, kind of Japanese stuff because stuff is, because at the end of the day, like Japan is a is a different culture and yeah. they're not gonna like they're not gonna respond to like you know yeah, they still have like KKK the, in their game yeah like, they're not gonna <laughs> well, but, it, but yeah. apparently I read that apparently yeah. it didn't mean the same thing no it yeah. doesn't but it's just funny like that it was a big deal for this guy you wanted yeah. he didn't want changed and I'm like, well that was hilarious that's, that's, that's like the thing. dumbest thing like to to make a stance on like oh they changed it from KKK to NKK. That's censorship. No, I like, think, yeah, it's like really... Oh my God, yeah. man. Just whatever. Just release Yeah, I almost it. like quit his job or something. Yeah, right? Anyway, different thing. Okay, yeah. Totally different thing. Um, well. But yeah, I think Japan, you know, they just they just don't care about yeah. what like 
video game blog writers based in New York like think about yeah. like representation and diversity. Um, so if, I think the controversy with fifteen being a male cast yeah. like didn't really matter. And yeah, like how it would have been. It's a game about bros road tripping. Yeah. Like how bad yeah. would it have been if they had like changed one of them to a girl? It would have made no sense. It, it, it just seems like there are better things to waste. Like breath complaining about? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, it gets clicks. Like, I clicked on the Polygon thing, and that's why they do it, is because it's like, hey, somebody's going to click about this, and then it's going to spark debate, like we're talking about But, now. at the same time, like, Cause yeah, like, it's, it's the same thing, where it's like, people, for the sake of, like, representation and diversity, like, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of pressure, at least, yeah. in, at least at least like implied pressure yeah. to do things a certain way but then it it I think it can be compromising because you can be bioware where no matter what they do they can't get a break and yeah. part of it's because they do it poorly yeah so it's like okay we know that it's like I think the difference with Bioware is that they intended to talk, to approach those issues though whereas like right like they intend they intend to approach the issues but then they don't do it well yeah it's like it would have been like if Prey didn't consult Native Americans and then they appropriated the culture. Yeah. Kind of like a good example would be, and this company got flack for it, which I kind of think is unfair because they're from like Sweden or Norway, but Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. They appropriated Native or tribal type stuff that people thought was similar to Native American culture, yeah. but they thought it was handled poorly. Okay, it, but let me ask yeah. you this. How many gamers sat there and they're like, you know, this really bothers me. Most people don't. It's game. just like, like like three people probably on the internet and like yeah. a handful I mean, no, it's definitely it's definitely like an unwarranted pressure on creativity yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Um I think it's I think it's unfair. Like I don't think I think what Prey did was extra above above and beyond by consulting someone. Yeah. But I think by like using that stuff with like say you're in Sweden and Norway and you it's really hard to go consult someone in America. I mean they probably could Skype them or whatever. But they did it. But all they did was take like ideas from the past. I still don't think they deserve to be like reamed over coals which people i heard on lots of podcasts people were like well they used uh native american cultural stuff and this is unfair and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's funny because like, in like probably with, with robots yeah like yeah. in the future the, and, yeah. like, that's what i was gonna say those people still probably went out and played the game like they they, yeah, they, probably, did. they, they bought it. it they probably liked it well and they're reviewers like, and stuff but, you know i mean they i just think it's unfair when, to judge someone's art so harshly when you don't make art Okay. The problem, is, the problem is, is then what can you create even? Yeah, because you can't create like, anything because everything. This is where like video game journalism and like honest reviews have just fallen apart because we're no longer reviewing games based on how good they are, what the game type, is, or how the gameplay is, how's the soundtrack, blah blah blah, that kind of stuff. We're now reviewing games based on social issues, and it's right. Like, we're reviewing we're reviewing games set in fantasy worlds based yeah. on how they are similar or not similar to real. Life, yeah, exactly. Life cultures that exact thing actually happened. Uh, a reviewer that I actually really like because he is pro uh, Microsoft, which is very rare nowadays, reviewed The Witcher 3 and he was upset by the lack of diversity in The Witcher 3, which is essentially set in a medieval fantasy version of Poland. Which, <laughs> like, it to me, and there, I think there actually are a couple people of color even in that game, but um. It was crazy to me to, to think that somebody would be so offended by something when it's like a creative fantasy world in a place that probably wasn't very diverse back sure. at times. Yeah. Like, and then dock it two points for that. Yeah. So, I mean, or maybe not two points, but it got eight. And I just think, like, it's a pretty great game. 
Um, but you know, I mean, whatever. That's I, I just so, think it's unfair to judge things. I think so there's I think there's two ways to look at that. Yeah. Perhaps there's probably millions of ways to look at that. Yeah, I mean, we're but, all so. But like, two points would be like, okay, if you're creating an entirely fictional world, yeah, especially if you are a like massive publisher, yeah, um, and it's it's totally fantasy, totally science fiction. I think you probably should yeah. include different like you know looks and colors and things like that, simply because it's going to be played by a wide yeah. audience. And if Could it has be. nothing, if it's not based on Earth and doesn't yeah. need to include. Earth's politics or social issues, then you're you're pretty much free. You're I think you're pretty much yeah. free to do so. Yeah. So it's it's crazy because is Horizon Zero Dawn based on Earth at all? It is. Yeah, it is based on Earth. Like I don't know how far in the future I didn't get played, but it sounds like at least multiple hundreds of years. In okay, the future. but if you live in a no. world that is dominated by nature yeah. and civilization is scant, like that's what tribal yeah. like civilization no, is. Like, yeah. so it seems crazy that. They would be criticized for that. Now, if you were if you were building if you were like making a game that was based on like you know like Poland yeah. or like like the south of France in like some period of time, and you were getting reamed for it not being diverse enough, like that's insanity because yeah. that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Um, it. I just think. Although people... I, to be fair, I don't. I don't know enough about the South of France. Maybe it's a hotbed <laughs> yeah. for diversity, and I'm totally unaware. Yeah, this. it's. I but. mean, the truth comes down to this. Like, I, I think if you're making a property and and you know it's an art thing, and it's, I think it should be up to the artist. Yeah, hopefully that artist would want to include people, like want to be inclusive. Yeah. And then if they're not, then people don't have to play or buy their products, buy the, but. Yeah. It, but like that, to hate them. But if they if they want to be inclusive, yeah. it either needs to be. It either needs to be like unimportant or totally fleshed out. Yeah, problem. definitely. Because yeah. if it's if it's if it's a world that's not Earth, then you don't need to like like if you're going to have like people of color or people of not color, you're going to have people that are pink or whatever. Like yeah. you know, like um, you know, then it just kind of has to be that way. Did and you? then and then, but if you're writing something that's based on like Earth culture and like you have to include, then you have to be sensitive. That's why it's like. You know, like Bioware with like their whole like transgendered character. It's like okay, like we're including that, yeah. but I mean, who wrote it? Who wrote? Yeah. yeah. Did you guys get to watch the new Beauty and the Beast film? Sorry, I'm like yes. diverging uh, on it. Yeah, they they did in, you know inclusivity in a way that I thought was fine. They just switched out a couple characters, and I mean, it did seem a little strange and supposed to take place in like. France a long, long time ago. Are you, but, ta- are you talking about the uh, Gaston's buddy? Oh no! Well, not just not him. Um, the bookkeeper who was originally like an old white man is now like a young black man. Oh, I didn't even. Had, I, didn't, I didn't even notice. No, that. I mean like, it's just like I, I've seen the original Beauty and the Beast a lot of times. Um, they changed some characters. In the end, it's it was you know didn't affect me, and hopefully it made somebody else feel like hey they're being like inclusive. And I think that was a fine way to do it. They didn't make it a big point, so they didn't need to flesh someone out. Yeah. They literally just changed a person. Yeah. And that was that it didn't hurt anybody, you know? Do you, do you think that that would help that type of thing go over smoother with people if they didn't make a huge fuss out of it? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I think some I people want to make a I fuss. I guess it though. depends, though, because, like, 
culturally speaking, like if you are like if you were going to make a game set in the modern day, yeah. and you were going to have all sorts of diverse people, but you made there was no distinction between them, I yeah. think people would be upset. Like I think that's like yeah. if it was that's the same thing with like the trans character in Mass Effect, even though it has nothing to do with reality. Yeah. It's, but it's written. It's written. It's written poorly. Too, yeah. well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's written uh, in a way that that not only highlights what that character is, yeah. but it highlights it poorly. So it's, it's like funny because with an issue like that, how do you? Yeah, that is that's the funny thing is it, it, it was that. written poorly. But as I think about it now, I'm like, well, this person would probably never I would mention never their past. That so they, I guess, what they could have done is put it in a codex entry somewhere. But sure. even then, you're like, clicked, yeah, that was a, uh, but. Yeah, it's it's at a weird point where it's like you're just gonna get flack from stuff regardless. And I think that you know, I mean, it's still good to like talk about the stuff. I, even the Polygon articles, as much as I don't always agree with them, let them talk about stuff. You know, yeah. it, it, even let them review stuff poorly if they want, because in the end, it doesn't matter. I just think it's dumb. Yeah, I, I think see, it's- I see two two big problems. One has to do with games as art. Yeah, and then one has to do with representation, which are related issues but separate issues. Because on the one hand. What you want, it's like when I think about, like, if I think about having, like, kids or something one day, having daughters or something like that. Yeah. Like, I like a game like Final Fantasy VI, where there's yeah. a main character who is a female. Or 13. Yeah. yeah. Lightning. And, oh, yeah. and actually, both in both cases this time, main characters who are female, who don't rely on a love story trope to find some type of meaning. Yeah. Like, spoiler alert, if you haven't played Final Fantasy VI, like... Everybody kind of, dies. Right. But um, but Tara, instead of falling in love with someone, becomes like the head of an orphanage, basically. Like, she's cool. super badass. And then Lightning, you know... Never really needed a man. At least yeah, as far as I that's, got. That's, that's, that's returns, it's like right? you want to see, see that where it's like... And so it's just, I can imagine it's the same thing for people like of color, for yeah. people of different diversities. Like, they want to see themselves... They want to be able to play things that represent them in games. And I think that's yeah. extremely important. Yeah. So then... The next thing is, like, games as art. Like, people need to be able to execute their visions without yeah. having to be... Worried about this, yeah. You know, if someone, if someone with, like a, like, a vision, like, a terrible vision for a product who just happens to be, like, a really, like, misogynistic or a racist person or something like that, like, people are going to find out and people are going to not support it. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get, like, flagged for what it is. But if someone who is, like... You know, like a like an open minded, not like trying to be exclusive, just has a certain vision for something. Yeah. Like they shouldn't feel like they have to compromise their vision by making inclusions for things. Because that's the thing. I don't know, it's probably not this way, obviously, with Bioware, but it's like that's like a complicated thing where they're like, Okay, well we need to include this type of character. How do we write it? How do we like you know, like they, I, yeah, it's like a crazy thing. It's, like, yeah. And it's hard too because it's like you could do the Bioware or some other games where you they just allow you to create the main character. Yeah. And then that gives you tons of options. You know, right. you're essentially, but say you want to make a game that's story driven like Final Fantasy 15 where the main character is Noctis. If they would have just allow you to choose between male and female, the whole game might have had to be, you know, kind of different. Oh, you know, like yeah, you would've it wouldn't, I mean, unless they just wanted it to be very insensitive, they, right. they, you know, so it's like, they wanted to make that story. Yeah. So, like, I don't see the, you know, the people, and this could be, again, a Japanese thing, but I don't see people attacking, like, Attack on Titan, a uh, Japanese anime about all white people in a city. Like, I don't see, like, tons of stories all day about, like, man, there's not enough Asian people, or no, there's not enough black people, or women. There are some women, but, I mean, it's it just, I don't see that being attacked. But I see games 
nonstop, like a new story about how games aren't inclusive almost every week. Mm-hmm. Like it's getting to the point where I, I feel like maybe everyone's a little bit Order, too sensitive. It, yeah, maybe yeah. yes and no. So I think that there's something different with with interactivity, which yeah. games are. Yeah, because it's the same reason that they're like for toys, like for dolls. There's they're sh- like you can't yeah, just have you, white yeah, Barbie because. What does that do to like a child's mind developing where the only toys they can play with and develop like connections to are don't represent them? So yeah. it's, it's different with interaction than just watching something, I think. Yeah. So games yeah. are the same way. Like But to be fair though, to change Barbie is a lot easier than to change a game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Barbie yeah. has no story. You literally just do like goes into that. It, it's it's hard because like when you're making a game, you need to have that vision. Just like, you know, we do music, and when you make an album, you need to have like a vision, or else you're just going to make terrible work. Mm-hmm. You have to have vision. If you don't have it, then you're going to make probably not. And then this is another game I still think is art, but not great art. A Call of Duty, where it's not really a vision. It's just like here's the story, here's the setting. Do the same thing you always do. Right. Here's the boxes you fill in. You know, yeah, like right. let and, let the cool story still exist. Back you know? to the root of this problem: expecting like diversity and like a, a, a nice diverse story from a Call of Duty game is just not something that... Yeah, that to me is... That, that's, the, that's the stupidest part about this but whole thing. It's to probably me, a yeah. slow news week. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I was Because this is the same guy that wrote that article about Colin Moriarty. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is own good, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that Colin Moriarty story, what was it again exactly? About how he was... Uh, oh, his text or his tweet, right? It yeah, was like, how he was like sexist and how... There's people oh, like him that yeah. make it so his daughters are afraid to play video games. And you remember that, right? The tweet they said. I where remember that bit, woman. but makes his daughters afraid to play video games. games. Yeah, because, because, he's, because he's, of people like that, my daughters can't grow up to play video games or be strong and confident. And it's like, oh, you just yeah. really need to pick and choose your battles a little better. I honestly think a lot of it has to do with like clicks and likes and the idea of like the game industry. I mean, we're, we're talking about this and we do this. A lot of us do this for fun and we love to do this. Yeah. But, like, it as a whole is trying to survive in a world where, like, people don't want advertisements, and that's how they get a lot of their revenue. Physical media is pretty much gone, yeah. so people don't, like, want that at all. So how are we going to keep people coming to us when we've got Kotaku's, which have, like, Jason Schreier, who is always breaking the news story first? Like, what are you going to talk about that's going to get someone to read? So yeah. you know, I, talk I think, about controversial um, subjects. I think... There's also just a spirit of that, though, in in the media in general, like yeah. being aggressively against anyone that's not inc- them, not yeah. totally exclu- inclusive in the ways that you want them to be. Yeah. So yeah. it's like there's that we're like excluding exclusive people, or yeah. like in, if, if we're not being inclusive enough, and it's like that it's backwards, but that won't ever change until that trend dies out. Yeah. But speaking of both a a nice a, a bit of a cleaner topic and yeah. also Jason Schreier yeah. he posted a thing from Bungie where or about Bungie this week about how like a reminder that Bungie is not the same company that it used to be it's about destiny um, i believe right and yeah. this uh because the people don't like there's like yeah. a some guy made an article or a list of like all the developers that were there for like Halo, Halo 2, 2 yeah. who are there now and it's like hardly anyone yeah, and right. i think he he worded a super great point and i saw some really hilariously like poor thought out comments about like oh like you're knocking the developer now which he wasn't but he makes a really good point something that i've thought for years um is speaking of games as an art form yeah like people can't expect 
we treat uh, we all, we associate game and franchises and even the artistic side of things with companies and corporations instead of people. Yeah. Even though art is is very much made by people. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. It's like this, the same reason. <laughs> same. So the reason that Final Fantasy doesn't feel like old Final Fantasies is because the guy that invented Final Fantasy and the people it. that yeah. worked on those old Final Fantasies don't work at that company anymore. Yeah. Like, and and that doesn't mean that new Final Fantasy is intrinsically bad because I think specifically with a franchise like Final Fantasy, it's made to be different every time with yeah. certain certain similar things, but there's a lot of room for interpretation. That's why I think 13 is not that bad. I do think that 13.2 is awful, but, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, that's why I think 15 is pretty great because it, it, it is it that. It's people. like an ever, yeah. the whole concept of Final Fantasy is ever evolving, but it's not going to feel the same way. It's, and that's why... Like Mass when Effect I, Andromeda. Yeah, and that's the same thing. Mass Effect Andromeda is the same thing. And that's why when I, I always cringe when I read like IGN comments where it's like Square please just make a new Chrono Trigger game it'll make so yeah. much money it's like you really want that no one that made Chrono yeah. Trigger possible is at it's Square there, yeah. it would be awful it would be like a focus group I want to like, believe though <laughs> see, that's the thing that would be like that would be like Capitol Records making a new Beatles record because yeah. that was the company that put out all the Beatles music yeah and this is an off example or a but... group called Beatles that yeah. is not yeah. well, that's what I'm saying though they could do it, they could do it yeah. but it, it wouldn't be the same that's it's the like thing. Paul McCartney like, and three other randos yeah like, like, we're the Beatles. Aesthetics, yeah, like yeah. aesthetic story ticks like character designs off, off example uh, Roland Emmerich everyone kept saying for years and years make a sequel to Independence Day make a sequel he to did. Independence Day <laughs> wow. and look what happens when, look what happened when he made one it, that, that also comes down to not only are people important but like I was mentioning earlier like the vision the idea it has to be there too like art is not something that you can churn out like you can do you know math problems or something it's not something where it's just like this is the formula you yeah. do it it comes out this way yeah it, i think well i think that's a big problem with um with square now is besides like spending way too much time chasing the like phone market and the final fantasy legacy yeah. market and all that kind of bs which like, I, i'm okay with them putting those games on everything as long they as they don't spend original. enough time like just like developing an idea, yeah. like a, a new identity with the staff that they have. Yeah. Like the only guy that tries to do anything that's unique to himself is the Kingdom Hearts guy. Yeah. And it's always so batshit crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's like well, uh, the cool guy from uh, I think his name's Yoko Taro. Oh, ne- yeah, ne- he's, yeah. Yeah. He's, See, he does interesting stuff. Right. Man. And and people, I I noticed some at least some journalists like correctly go like his game. It's like the same way like Kojima has like an identity yeah. attached to his games. Yeah. You know, it's like that's important. Yeah. Like Sakaguchi, the Final Fantasy dude, has like an identity at Mistwalker, his new company. Those games, they ha- there's a definitely like a similar feeling to them than old with compared to old Final Fantasies. They're not the same, yeah. but there's something similar, and it's because it's made by that guy. Like and it's you, like yeah. gotta have that director. So games are made by multiple people. We don't want to you know just say oh Yoko Taro made this game or blah blah blah. But that person normally has the vision, which has then carried out Jurassic by all the yeah. people. That do that, and they will affect the game slightly, but realistically, you know, like all boats, like it needs to have one captain. Like if right. it's got, that's why I think it's. I feel <laughs> bad for the people who work on. A lot of people work on games because their names are never like said. Like, oh, he's so. You know, they, there's thousands of people work on a game, but in a lot of ways, the director, just like for a film, is so important because you can't have like a thousand people making any game they want at the same time and then right. put together and make the game. Yeah. So I just wanted, I wanted to devo- you know, diverge and talk about that for just one second real quick. Yeah. Just I feel like we talk about those names like uh, Kojima and nobody really ever thinks like, oh man, he's got a team. But yeah, he is, he is more the most important part of the vision, 
but he's still got a team of people that are yeah. are that yeah. he's steering and directing into the yeah. the thing. So like even if you got the Chrono Trigger team, the main thing you need is the primary creative director you need a good dire- and then you need for a that good game, writer too for Chrono Trigger. Yeah, that game. Well, okay, so that game there are four. Well, the director would hopefully be like somebody who knows all parts, but that game you need a lot because the music's so important, the art style's so important, the writing's so important that like you at least need four people. Who yeah, are, like, I mean, games, games and movies are like this one. It's crazy, like these crazy forms of art where people expect like a certain level of like excellence yeah. from different people, just yeah. the same franchise name. Yeah, you know, it's like. You know, like, it would be like if someone else wrote other Game of Thrones novels that weren't George R.R. Martin. Like, no one would, no one would buy it. Like, I mean, they would buy it literally, but no one would, like, believe it in a sense. Where it's like, and so you can't expect the same. Like, you can't expect, like, Mass Effect to feel anything like Like the original Mass Effect when no one, no one's there. Yeah. No one's there that's going to, that can make that happen. It's not even because they're not good. It's because it's impossible to be the same as someone else. Like to kept to be the same, like to have the same like direction and then have the same group mind that made Mass Effect 1 when it's a totally different group of people. They could make something good, but they'd have to find their own identity to do so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just an interesting topic. We could probably talk about this for hours because it's so like so vast and like there's so much to speak about when you talk about creation and art but we should probably save that for next week and come back ripping and roaring with some hopefully some new games to play i'm gonna get me some mario kart um this week because i never really played eight i know you did oh yeah you beat it i played i played a ton of mario kart i'm excited to finally play it comes out tomorrow. I'm very excited. Um, whenever you listen to this. So whenever you listen to this, uh, comes out tomorrow. You can now download us on iTunes. Uh, you can't so, find us, though. It's hidden. We're never going to say the name. Um, and if you try to put it on the screen, then we're, I'll delete it. Censor. Censorship. You got that, YouTube? That's your thing. Badoosh! All right. Oh, yeah. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it it uh, it hurts.